Hey, wait a second. That's not Jimmy Buffett. No, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Kenny G's rendition of Greensleeves from his 1996 Christmas classic, The Miracle. In my opinion, this is all you need in a Christmas song. It's smooth, it's sexy, it's complex, and you can 100% ignore it. But you know who makes Christmas music that you can't ignore? That's right, Jimmy Buffett. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about his second Christmas album, 2016's Tis the Season. But before we talk about that, we are going to talk about a whole lot of other stuff. By this point, as our audience, you're probably used to that. However, in this episode, we are more egregious than normal in terms of our off-topic conversation, especially in the first half of this program. Uh, So much so that I felt the need to record this message as a warning to all of our loyal listeners. For the first, oh, I'm going to say 40 minutes or so of this podcast, Cameron and I talk almost exclusively about this season's Sacramento Kings roster. Why? Well, for the first time in nearly 20 years, we have a good team in Sacramento, and Cameron and I have not had the opportunity to discuss it one-on-one until now. So, we indulged ourselves, much to the chagrin of, I'm sure, most of our listeners. So, if you feel the need to skip forward, and we would totally understand because we know that everyone here has a very busy schedule and many podcasts to listen to this holiday season, we're going to put a timestamp in the description. I'm going to say it's going to be about 40 minutes into the episode where we actually start talking about Jimmy Buffett. And from there on out, it's nothing but Buffett talk. You can count on that. Well, not really. We talk about other stuff, too. Also, just as a side note, for some reason, my audio in this particular episode is not great. I have no idea why. I used my normal microphone. I thought I had it set to the proper settings, but uh, this is not my uh, smoothest audio quality episode of this show. Cameron sounds great. I don't. It's listenable. It's just not that great. So, sorry for that. Anyway, Merry Christmas to everybody. Drive that pig and light the beam. That's the most fucked up thing about Christmas music. <laughs> that it's a genre? Well, I mean, yeah, it's general existence, sure. It's it's bad and catchy. Like, that's kind of fucked up, isn't it? <laughs> like, I'm going to have a lot of well, this the, stuck the, in my head. Well, the, the, San, the Santa Christmas songs are, are, are catchy. Well, that's fair. I can, I can do without the Jesus Christmas altogether. Yeah? As a genre. Well, I think Jimmy's here to replace him, so... Okay, we'll get into it. Here we go. (laughs) 
Christmas The very thing I wanted the most No island or peninsula or isthmus You bet you hey, guess where you get Oh, wait, wait, wait. Are, sorry, are we recording? On on Zoom? Are we? No. I'll do I'll record. No? Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 We'll do that. Got it. All right. Let's start over. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna keep that in. Can we keep that in? <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 let's keep it in. I wanna tell you what I didn't get for Christmas. The very thing I And the welcome most. back to no, another episode of Podcasting in Paradise Christmas Edition Part Two. I'm your host, Cameron. And I'm just uh, having a wonderful Christmas time. <laughs> and I, that is because I am potting with my friend, my lover, my co-host. And the one thing that I know I want, but I can't get for Christmas. Here's Joe! Cameron, not only is it Christmas, but... We're also fast approaching Jimmy Buffett's birthday, and I almost forgot. I almost forgot that it was almost Jimmy Buffett's birthday. Luckily, I listened to this album, and he reminded me four or five times. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? Um, now that you've invoked this uh, 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 fact about this album, I'm, I'm seeing that we have a new guest. I'm just going to let them into the Zoom room here, and let's see. It's... Uh... Hey, camera's off. Who, who is that? Ho, ho, ho. What? Happy birthday, Jimmy. It's the ghost of Jimmy Buffett's birthday's past. No, silly. I'm <laughs> Mr. Kringle himself, and I'm here to wish the most happiest birthday to my friend Jimmy Buffett, who's favorite podcast is being recorded right now wow what what a compliment where's your we're the favorite of all of the dozens of jimmy buffett podcasts we're jimmy buffett's favorite oh yes now he doesn't listen to your reviews of his albums but he does love the banter up front and he's not threatened at all by the fact that well you found out that he's a fish Okay. Well, yeah, we did. We did find that out. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he was. Just, it's kind of like uh, one of those criminals who kind of secretly wants to get caught the whole time. Maybe he has a special affinity for us because we actually figured it out. Well, that's a, certainly a psychological take. What would I know, though? I'm just Mr. Kringle, the owner of a factory in the North Pole with questionable labor practices. But that's neither here nor there, because we're here to celebrate a wonderful birthday time for my friend James William Buffett III. So, Santa, while you're here, uh, while yes. you're here, while I've got you, oh. um, it's rare that we have this opportunity, but I'm... I'm wondering if I can make a special request. I know it's kind of close to Christmas time. Well, it is a little close. And have you sat in the mall with me yet? No, but my daughter is fast approaching her first her first Christmas, so I'll take her down to see you. But I wonder if I can, you know, now that I have the kind of the inside track, if I can make a, you know, if I can make a special uh, a special request. Could I get? A, a, a 136 scale replica of the Hemisphere Dancer. 
Well, j well, Joe, I'm very offended. You should know that I only speak to children in malls. That's against right, my let's... agreement, and I'm signing off immediately. 136 scales hemisphere dancer, though. I've got that on the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set it up with set it up with your shop in the Philippines, your little workshop in the Philippines. How do you know about that one? <laughs> we were reading about it on the last episode. Okay, bye, Santa. Bye. Wow, I mean, that was really so, nice of him to make the time for us. It was really nice, and that and that shows that you know maybe. Uh, not only is, does Jimmy Buffett have all the connections in the world, even to the big man upstairs, but uh, he's also, I think Santa might also be a fan of the show as well. Yeah, he kept saying that, like, people are fans. Like, everybody's saying this is a great podcast. Jimmy Buffett himself listens to it, and it's like, Santa, you could just say you like the podcast. Yeah, it's okay to admit you like the podcast. Yeah, I mean, like... I mean, it is, it is, we are the only current running Jimmy Buffett podcast, so, you know, that, it's kind of that, that or fact? nothing. I think so. I haven't seen any other podcast posting recently, so I think we're the only ones. We've endured. <laughs> we've we've lasted. We've outlasted them all. Oh uh, well, jokes on all of them for not having a structure that can make them last this podcast for at least seven. And also, years. I think I think we learned this, this the special sauce, which is you really got to pace yourself with these. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> you. You really got to chew on it. You really got to Yeah, them. you really got to chew it all. Count to ten before well, you swallow on these I'm, things. I'm actually kind of sad that Santa left when he did because I wanted to thank him, Cameron. Oh. I wanted to thank him because he's already given me what I wanted most for Christmas. Was it? Uh, over these last 17 Christmases, in fact. But who's counting? Well, oh, I know about that. Yes. Do you think? Do you know what I'm referring to? Because I think I've gotten the best. We've gotten us, all of us in Sacramento. Or... All of us Sacramentonians abroad have gotten what we wanted most That's for right. Christmas, which is it's that that finally that naughty old elf got a good coach and some players for these Sacramento Kings, didn't he? We finally have a winning basketball team in Sacramento, ladies we and gentlemen. We sure do. And uh, Joe, I have watched all but one game. Uh, which game did you not watch? Uh, Boston. Did you watch that Boston game? Oh no, you're right. Actually, I didn't watch that Boston game. That's the one I missed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Wow. How did you know that? Because that game was a, a dreadful nightmare. Oh. Okay. <laughs> 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 um. Actually, Joe. Uh, speaking of our wonderful Kings, they are playing the third best team in the East right now, and uh, they are up two points with a minute and a half left. All right. So they're on. Okay. I don't know how deep we're going to get into this. The, uh, no, but can we actually just talk about our wonderful feelings for this one? I really thing? do want to, because yeah. we have not had the opportunity to talk about the Kings uh, yeah. together. Yeah, no, we haven't, actually. And uh, the last time, in fact, last time we talked about the Kings, it was around this time last year. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about um, what how nice it is to have uh, a, a cheap place to go in Sacramento <laughs> because we have such a dog shit team. <laughs> <laughs> and how we need to fire Coach Walton. Yes, and in fact, as of as of last month, I the Kings just. I mean, it's been a, few, a couple weeks now, but we just passed the one year anniversary of what might have been the low point of uh, the this Kings Barf franchise. Court? Yeah, <laughs> Barf Court. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Oh, <laughs> there was there was a game about a year ago, a little over a year ago, in which the Kings lost on their home court. 120 to 106 to the Denver Nuggets. Mm. They fired their head coach the next day. And yeah. they had to delay the game 
20 minutes because a fan drunkenly vomited on the court. Like a lot. And it was the most symbolic moment, probably, of how things had been going yeah. for the last decade and chain, decade and a half. Yeah. What a difference a year makes. What a difference a coach makes. What a difference a year makes. What a makes. difference a coach. What a difference. A couple, a couple of key trades. A couple of key trades. Uh, an offseason for our best signing. players to practice. A headband herder. Um, uh, uh, Keegan Murray, who just made a, a, a th- another three-pointer uh, to put the Kings up six with minute 20 left. Um, on a 14-0 run, these Sacramento Kings are against one of the best defenses in the NBA. Folks, uh, the last time that I felt good about a Kings team this far into the season, and you're like, did the season just start? Yes, it did. This far into a season, the last time I felt about, good about a Kings game or a Kings team, I was in middle school. And so yeah, this is, like, exceptional to watch. And, Joe, even when they struggled at first, they looked pretty good. Those first four losses were good losses. And like the only they've only they've only really looked bad in a couple of, in like a handful of games this year. Yeah, like that Warriors game where they let them score like ninety points and a half or whatever that was. But then they came back and almost won that. So it's but like si- since they started since they started oh four, I can probably count on one hand how many games they've looked bad. In. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Like they they they, they 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 looked bad in the Hawks game. They were tired. It was the second night of a back to back. The Boston game. You're just running into a, a, a buzzsaw mm-hmm. with that Boston team. So what can you do? You were in the finals uh, last year, you know. Yeah. Last last game they didn't look great, but they were playing. They're playing them. The they Bucks. were playing the most one of the most elite teams in the league. Yeah. Uh, and then the 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 Detroit game they won, but oh that they didn't yeah look good. that was not a that was not a fun win. They're going to. Th- I'm going to make a prediction. Huh. They're going to roll into Detroit, and they're going to smoke. They're going to. They're going to crush yeah. them. No, I think it's going to be a blowout. I mean, they're playing great they're, right now. They're going to play a revenge game against a team that they've previously beat. <laughs> exactly. Because they, exactly right. they didn't look good enough beating them That's exactly right. Time. It's not going to happen. Like, no, we can, beat you, we can beat you worse. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, actually, Speaking of revenge games, that the other thing about this this current game that we're watching against Cleveland, which, is it over yet? No, it's... it's Did they close it no, out? It's the same timestamp as when we, I last spoke about it. It's a long, long okay. side out about so, it here. So the other thing... All right, here's how remarkable what they're doing right now is. And this is something you would never see in a previous... This is how you know this is a good team. Right. They, two things. Number one, this the Cleveland Cavaliers are the third best team in the East. And one of the best teams in basketball right now. Yeah. They have a player in Donovan Mitchell who is frightening. Mm-hmm. He's horrifying. Yeah. But they kind of stole one from them already mm-hmm. in Sacramento on their home court. Mm-hmm. This is a revenge game for, this should be a revenge game for Cleveland at home. Mm-hmm. They And it's not. To be fair. Even if the Kings lose this game, they don't, the, the Cavs do not look good winning this game. No. To be fair, they're missing Mitchell. Uh, they're, oh, they're missing Donovan yeah. Mitchell. And we're, and we, I don't, and care. We don't, I don't, have I don't care if, I don't care if they're missing Donovan Mitchell. I don't care if the Clippers are, were missing Kawhi and, and Paul George when the Kings crushed them in LA. Oh, that doesn't matter either. Yeah. And cause, cause like the Kings teams in the past, when faced with those situations would not have taken advantage. No, they would have, they would have slipped a, uh, they would have dropped the game because that's how we always play. Um, 
103.95, 48 seconds left. This is looking like a win for the Kings. Uh, no Fox in this game either. So This, this is was the perfect game. game to rest Fox. Yeah. This was the perfect game to rest Fox because he's not been looking right. He clearly he needs, needs rest. Right, yeah. This was not a game. This is not a game the Kings were expected to win, uh, nor did they have to win it. Because... Um, no, they didn't have to win it, but I think this team is really gunning for a playoff berth, not the play-in. I think I've got this team ending fifth in the West. Um, yeah, I think that absolutely we're deep and been injury-free for aside from a couple of small things here and there. Um, I'm feeling really good about this team, but Joe, I think it's time that we talk about superlatives with this team because we could yes. talk about this team forever. So let's start. Wait, can I say? Can I say? One, can I say one more yeah, thing yeah, though? Because yeah. I think I think this encapsulates what is what the experience has been. Being a Sacramento Kings fan for the last two decades as we've been and and seeing a, a good team finally mm-hmm. and how Kings fans react. Because we're seeing we're seeing the fans are so excited in Sacramento. This they picked the perfect season to do the light the beam thing. Oh my god, the fucking beam. Because that's so been cool. that's been that's been I mean, thank God they did it this season and not in one of our like thirty win seasons. Because it would have been a, if they had done Light the Beam last season, it would have been a joke. They would have and stopped now doing it. They would have stopped doing it. Now it's a galvanizing thing in Sacramento. It was it was placed on Google Maps it was a as place a place of, of worship. worship. It sure was. Which is, is absolutely true. But here's here's the, the greatest thing the greatest summation of what it's like to be a Sacramento Kings fan. Preseason. After we drafted Keegan Murray, he killed it in summer league. Uh-huh. There was a, a viral video going around uh, TikTok, or not TikTok, Twitter, of Kings fans walking out of, <laughs> of Golden One Center in a preseason game after seeing Keegan Murray. And they were, one of them was wearing a homemade Keegan Murray t-shirt. Yes. Because the jerseys were not yet available. So he had made it himself at home out of a white Hanes t-shirt. And they were cheering. And what they what were they cheering? Let's go 37 we're gonna wins. Win for, we're going to win 40 games. Oh, it was 40 this games season. or 37. <laughs> yeah. 40, yeah. We're going to win 40 games. We're going to almost be 500. <laughs> we're going to be almost 500 this season. Uh. Ex- jubilant. Yeah. At the idea of being just below 500. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Jubilant at the idea of being a play-in team. Little did they know, we were on. We were going to be on a 50-win pace about 25% of the way through the season. We, little yeah. did they know that at one point this season, we were going to be the number two offense. Mm-hmm. Currently, we're the number four offense, I think. And I think we're, like, top... We're in the top half defensively. Yeah, for the and, first time and, in my memory. Yes, yeah, literally in forever, <laughs> and and actually over the last like five games, our defensive rating is like top five. We're killing yeah. it. Um, yeah. It's the. This is an amazing team. This is an amazing. Smart team. has them playing so well. Coach is great. Uh, uh, I I haven't seen them play this focused and consistent in it literally forever. Um, the, the thing that I love. The thing that I love. Is, is the handling of the ball movement, the sharing it's of the so ball. Good. They're playing such a wonderful brand of team basketball. They're the only team, I think, if you look at the top 10 offenses in the NBA, they're the, probably the only ones where you don't have any players who are going to score more than 30 in a night on a well, regular consistently. basis. Consistently, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But every night in, night out, you're going to have six to seven players scoring double figures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
For sure. And I love it. And, I love it. And our bench actually plays well now. Next, it's a next man up yeah. thing, you know. Fox isn't playing well. Oh well, the, other, the rest of the bench Davion is gonna. Mitchell's gonna play really well then. Yeah. Yeah. And that's final one hundred six ninety five. Kings win. Yes, we're gonna go. We're gonna go four and two on this road trip. I think we're. I, this is a tough road trip. I think we're playing really well. I think we're gonna win some games. Yeah. Um, Five hundred is the expectation. I think we might go four and two. So, so we're gonna talk about superlatives. superlatives, Joe. And then, and then we'll talk about this. And then we'll talk Jimmy about Buffett. this stupid album. But sorry, sorry guys, but this is this is important. Which of the which new player do you hope you get under your Christmas tree this year? New player. So yeah. we're looking at Herder, uh, Monk. M- Monk, Murray. Murray, uh, who else is new? That's pretty much it. Oh, Akapala, KZ Akapala. I've been I've been quite fond of what I've seen of KZ Akapala recently. She made uh, defense defensively. All right, so it's gonna be it's gonna Della be Badova. one of those three that we just it's gonna be one of those three we just mentioned, right? Uh-huh. Um. Well, first of all, let me let me say what I like about all these guys. Starting with Herder. Herder, first of all, he's the guy who coined the Beam Team. Yeah, love that. I also like how much he looks like Rick Astley. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't like how he's a little bit streaky, but I in, in terms of his three point shooting. But I do like how even when he goes cold from behind the arc, he still finds other ways of. Of, of making plays and helping the team. For sure. Monk is the most exciting player on this team by far. By far. He is the reason why when we go to our bench, there is zero drop-off. Right. Like, no, the team teams never get a break when we go to the bench mm-hmm. because of Monk. Monk has had some of the most electrifying plays, and he's a guy... Like I like I like our starting ro- our starting rotation right now because they're ex- the exact type of starting rotation you need for a team that's just gotten good for the first time. Mm-hmm. They're unselfish. They're not flashy. They get the job done. They don't get too high or too low. But Monk is the guy who will come in and make it fun. Mm-hmm. He's got the swagger, mm-hmm. which I love about him. Are you pro uh, banded? I, I think he stopped doing the Band-Aid at the right time. Okay. I liked the Band-Aid when it was happening, but that was one of those things that was not going to be sustainable. No. It was, and I think he picked, lost, he he picked the off, right yeah. moment. He picked the right moment to kind of phase that out. Yeah. Um, I also love just how how memeable this team is. And it, it, King's, King's online uh, fandom has deserved a team this fun for a long time. Oh yeah, because we have the best we online do. It, presence. By far, it's not even close, and we always have. Yeah, yeah. we always have had yeah. the best online presence. We finally have a we finally have a reason to like really let the memes run now. So is it Munker Herder uh, for you? Which one? Are you, well, are you, okay. There's also there's also Murray. I like Murray Murray's. I like Murray's temperament. I like how uh, he faces adversity. He doesn't really get phased by it. He doesn't seem to get discouraged. He had he had some struggles in November. He's he's come out of them now. Um, it's got to be Monk. It's Monk, right? Right? Yeah. It's he's Monk, the best. Right? He's so fun. He's the best. He's, I he's love so exciting to watch. Monk. And I think I also love how he's best buds with De'Aaron Fox. I was Fox. just gonna say I think actually he's like half responsible. Him and Keith Smart are about half responsible, 
each for the defensive improvements we've seen from De'Aaron because he's always been able to do this. He did this in college when he played with Monk, and now that Monk is back, I think he feels like he should be doing it again because he knows it's a winning style of basketball. Right. And I was, and you know, we struggled a lot defensively initially in the season. The Kings have gotten progressively and consistently mm-hmm. better, and I think I attribute that to just playing together and yeah. learning how to communicate. That's the reason why. That's that's the reason why the Celtics and the Warriors are so good, whereas the teams that try to add those players um, struggle. That's why the Clippers suck, and that's why the Celtics are great. Because not only do they have the elite players, but they also have the elite players who play together all the time and have been playing together for a long time. So they built up that communication mm-hmm. and those reps. So I think this this Kings team is only going to get better defensively. I, I agree. And I hope I hope that they do not trade Barnes. I don't because think I think to. that no, I don't think they no. I think Monty is too smart to trade Barnes at this point. They, if they were, we got to let this team cook. Already, you know? We got to let this team cook. You know, yeah. no, I think gotta let, we, I think Monty's gonna stand pat unless he gets like crazy value, and then you might see you know Holmes and Barnes move or whatever. But I don't see any reason to shake it up right now. I think I think Monty has no. been on the record that he wants to pull off another big deal to ideally get another mm-hmm. All Star level talent on this team with our other guys. And if it's gonna mm-hmm. happen, it's probably gonna be Barnes this season, alongside uh, Holmes and probably a couple picks or something like that. But if that happens, it's because we're getting all-star level talent and i wouldn't mind that at all but i agree with you i don't think there's any rush on our part to make only if it's an upgrade only if it's an upgrade at that position i think would you can you justify trading barnes yeah it would have to be a wing for sure. because he's he's such a smart he's such a smart veteran and he always gets to the line he gets to the line better than anyone else on the team when you need him to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's been looking good Okay, so so Monk is our favorite Christmas or new player under the tree. Now, what is yeah. your what are you hoping when you get to that stocking? You you look, you pull something out that stocking. What old player are you most impressed by this season? And you hope they're in your stocking. The old player that I'm most impressed by this season um we're not counting. Are we counting Sabonis as an old player? Yeah, it's been less than a full season with the team, but I, I think it counts because we saw him a little bit. Last I year. still, I would still put Sabonis in that category of new players because he was the that was the first step to getting to where we are now. I mean, I think that's fair, but he's the beginning of the of the the turnaround. I would say. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not going to include him in this in this category. Um, you know, I gotta I gotta go still with Barnes. Yeah. I've been I've been so impressed with how crafty he has been this season, um, and how he how he has reacted to adversity, how he's found ways to win, and also um, I, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but when he when he does well, it translates to wins. Yeah, like there's like a direct there's like a direct correlation a to how well sure. he is doing and how well the team is doing. Yeah. So I think he's a really essential, crucial player to this team. Yeah. Mine's De'Aaron. The defense has been mm-hmm. insane. It is so, so much better in the shooting, too. Even it's, even his during his slump. Even during his slump. Well, actually... He's still been... He's, he's taken a step forward defensively during his offensive slump. I think it's because... And I, I, I think those are related. I, I actually think the physicality he's been playing defense with has sort of made him have to adjust a little bit more on his offensive game in a way that he's not used to because he hasn't played real defense in over four seasons. So yeah. for Fox, though, I mean, the two things that were like 
at the whole time with Fox. Every critic of Fox was like, well, you know, how do you have a, an all-star caliber point guard if they can't mm-hmm. shoot and defend mm-hmm. in this league, right? If you have, I mean, if you're matched up against the deepest position in the league, you got to be a good defender and you got to be a good shooter to space the floor. Well, what are we seeing mm-hmm. from him this year? Confident three-point shooting. Like thirty nine percent right now, amazing. He said he said himself, "I can get any shot I, can I get want, any shot I want, and great defense at the same time." I mean, that is something that is just irreplicable. Okay, last Cameron, do we do we have? Hold on, do we have two all stars on this Kings roster right now? I mean, I think in another year, yeah, but I don't. Unfortunately, like, I don't think that that he's going to. The league is paying attention to the Kings, though. The Kings are the best story in the league right now. Yeah, I. Fox and Sabonis. If you had to choose between one of those, which is the all, who's the all star right now? Is it Fox or Sabonis? Are you asking me who I who I think is more deserving or who I think is was more likely to make it? I think it's clear. I think the answer to both those questions is clear. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I agree, but I, I think they're different. I think Fox is Fox is more likely to get it no. because he's the star of the team, and I think Sabonis is more deserving. I actually have it opposites. Oh really? Yeah, I have I have Fox is more deserving because he's doing everything, and I think that uh uh that's like so rare. The issue is there's I mean how many guards make it in six, right? Yeah, because there's it's it, there's so much there's so much competition not, at that not, position. Yeah, he wouldn't he'd be struggling to be a top six guard in our division, much less the in thing the is game. the thing the reason why I think Sabonis is more deserving is because he is the only player on this team I think where. If he goes down for any significant amount of time, it would be devastating to the team. Well, I I agree with you there, but I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, like that means that we'd be getting center minutes from uh, uh, Rashawn Holmes, who is basically unplayable right now, and Chimezi Metu, yeah. who I like but should not play more than about twelve minutes a game. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I think I think that he has a better chance of making it as a front court player, though, uh, just because I, mm-hmm. there's less competition in more spots. Uh, uh, but I think you know if they were both in the Eastern Conference, let's say, I think they would both be all stars. Let's um, let's get to let's get to your last superlative, and then I have one that I would like to add to this discussion. Uh, okay, yeah, great. Um, which Kings player do you want to kiss the most? Most kissable. Herder. 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 Ooh, interesting. Choice. Herder. Herder. I think he's, I, he's the prettiest king. In my opinion, that right now. Joe is a hot take, and I do want you to put that poll on Twitter after this episode because I think that you will find that it is incorrect or Instagram. I like uh, you. You know what it might be though. You know what it might be is uh, is the headband doing it for you? The, no, it's the Rick Astley thing. Uh, yeah, that is actually what it is for you. Okay, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. It's whenever it, the, the Kings fans again, the most memeable team and and the and the most uh, the most proficient memeing fan base. Whenever the Kings win a game, one of the things that the things that the fans will do on Twitter is post the highlights from Kevin Herter alongside Rick Astley's uh, "Never Gonna Give You Up," and it's it's hilarious. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. If you're funny, you get to kiss Joe. We all know this now. Um, the right answer is probably Malik Monk. Uh, he, yeah, is Malik Monk is probably pretty sexy. Probably the sexiest player. Uh, Trey Lyles isn't bad though. He's right there. I guess I guess you you like you like sexy, whereas I like the sort of innocent boy band, uh, pretty boys. Yeah, that's we got two different types. Like Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter would look on would look at home in like a, a late '90s, early 2000s yeah, yeah. boy band. I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. What's your superlative, Joe? 
Okay. And I guess we well, gotta talk about tis the season. <laughs> you gotta take the good with the bad. What is the greatest lump of coal under under the under the or the the biggest lump of coal in the stocking of the season so far? Yeah, um, I, it's got to be Rashawn Holmes. That's that's it's it's a sad story because yeah. I love Rashawn I Holmes love, so much. I mean, if you would ask me who my favorite player was uh, on the team prior to the start of the season, I might have said Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. Um, and he just does not look the same. I think that mm-hmm. he's shook up from Sabonis. I don't think that the they play the same way that he plays anymore, and he's been benched yeah. because he's not effective. And that sucks because he's such a good player. We've seen him be yeah. so effective for so long, and he doesn't even have that push shot anymore. It's not going. You know, that's such a lump of. He's cold. part of our, he's part of our garbage crew now, yeah. along with uh, Alex Len and Della Vadova. Um, I do like our garbage. I like that we have a garbage time <laughs> I know, crew, I and I and I do like how <laughs> I do like how they can they they've been pretty good at holding holding the line when it's a blowout game. In oh, the they last come in ready minutes. to play for sure. They're physical <laughs> yeah. garbage time guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like it's Rashawn Len Moneki. Uh, Della Vadova and Okpala. Yeah. All of those dudes are physical as hell. <laughs> yeah. And, and Della Vadova is, he's, he's tiny. He doesn't quite know how to dribble the ball right and run with yeah. it. But yeah, he looks like a football he's... player, like an Australian rules football player who's playing pickup <laughs> basketball. <laughs> and he looks like he's 45 years old. Yeah. Too. And he's like maybe 31 <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, he looks ancient. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's always ready. He's always ready. My my biggest lump of coal. It's the officiating. Oh, that it has. That's that's more. That's a whole. That's a whole freaking turd in the stocking right there. Like someone someone like, took a shit in the fucking. Was that you, Rudolph? <laughs> Did you shit in the stocking, or is that just the NBA refereeing this year? It is been the, the refs. The refs hate Fox. They hate Sabonis. No respect for the Kings. I, I saw I saw a possession in a recent game where Sabonis got a foul call. For putting his hand gingerly on the shoulder of of another player, yeah. and then in the following possession, he literally gets elbowed in the face yeah. and gets called for another. Not only does he not get a whistle, he gets called for another yeah. foul yeah. for his face getting in the way. Face blocking number guy. ten, Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, two free throws. Yeah, face obstructed the elbow. Yeah. That's a flagrant. <laughs> um, yeah, the officiating has been fucking garbage, and I'm actually re- con- really concerned it's going to get worse because Kings fans, those first four games were particularly egregious. I felt we, we've lost we've lost two games as a direct result of officiating. Oh, I, I think we'd be two wins better if the officiating wasn't terrible. I 100 percent agree. But 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 here's the great thing about this Kings team. Again, this there's, there's a silver lining here. First six games. We were losing because of officiating. Next, the next 10 games, we were winning despite the officiating. And the most recent five-game stretch, we've been blowing teams out despite that. Like, on nights where we've gotten the same bad calls, we blew out the Pacers and the the Clippers. Now, I will say, the the officials do like a couple of Kings players. Uh, yeah. Davion Mitchell. They love Davion. Yeah, they let yeah, him. Yeah, they they didn't let him be handsy and physical and all of that. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just happy that they appreciate him because they could absolutely neuter his game by calling him the way that they call Sabonis. The second player they really like, Harrison Barnes. 
they love giving him continuation on shots where he's standing all the way still. <laughs> that's that's the greatest that's the greatest contribution Harrison yeah. Barnes has to this Kings roster yeah. is just how how much the fa- the officials favor him. Yeah. Last thing I want to say, and then de- we're for sure going to start talking about you. And we'll put we'll put a timestamp so you can on skip Kings talk. If so you, you can like, skip yeah. all this stuff. We know how disinterested you, the audience is in this. We needed to talk. We just about needed it. to. So sorry. And we needed it on. Record. And we needed it recorded and in your ears. Yeah. Because it wasn't um, real unless you heard it. Last last thing I want to say, the thing that gets me most excited about this Kings team. There's been two games this season, in which, the Kings. Not only did they need to win, but they needed to make a statement. Mm. One of them was the the, the first national broadcast oh we've God. had in two years. Home game against the Nets. So good. We we blew out the Nets 153. The defense still wasn't great. I think we let them score like 120. It didn't matter. We split up 150. It's like, why would you play national, defense? Yeah. National, yeah, the, fir- like the first... 10 games we were winning because we were able to put up 130 mm. points a night. We, we, we were allowed to have bad defense. Home game, the crowd showed up, We sh- and we made a statement that the Kings were a good team. That's when the na- the national media started paying attention after that game. That was such an embarrassing loss for the, loss for the Nets that <laughs> Kyrie yeah. got suspended like two, two days later, <laughs> yeah. and Durant asked for a trade. <laughs> The second, oh, and and Durant was doing that thing that he always does, which I love, which is he was being effusive in his praise for the Kings yeah. in order to in order to get the media talking. Hey, is he trying to? Yeah, no, he's trying to get traded to the no. Kings. The answer is no. <laughs> no, he's not yeah, going. He's not. No. He's not going to play for us. Kevin Durant's not going to buy a home no, in Sacramento. It's not good. But, well, maybe maybe in the Bay and he'll helicopter. Maybe Napa. Or, yeah, I don't know. So the second the second game, of course, another home game. Indiana Pacers are coming to town. Yep. Oh, that game was so who, good. Who won the trade? Oh, oh, uh oh. Tyrese Halliburton revenge game. Yep. Uh oh. The Kings are oh, the Kings are on a three game skid. Nope. Tyrese Halliburton's gonna come in and he's gonna want to take revenge on the Kings. I think he scored nine. Yeah, points in nine that game. points. Didn't even <laughs> didn't even break double digits. At hella turnovers. Yep. Yeah, they. I mean, they basically said we're not gonna let Halliburton score. Period. The Kings fans before that game, the the, the chorus was this game proves nothing. Yeah. Regardless of the score, there's, this is not going to determine who won that trade. After the game, Kings won the trade. Kings won the trade. Yeah, Kings, Kings won, won the, the trade. trade. I think both both teams won the trade. Honestly, it was a mutually beneficial trade, um, and it had to happen. It had to happen. We could not have traded Fox. I, here's unless we wanted Ben Simmons, who's been awful. I'm so glad we dodged that bullet, and I'll and I'll I'll, I'll own up to the fact that I was pro Ben Simmons as a concept. I was never. I want to. I want to get this on record. I was never in favor of trading Fox for Simmons. Kings fans give up on Fox so quickly. I was. I stayed true to Fox. Now I did not want Tyrese Halliburton gone. I love Tyrese Halliburton. We all love Tyrese Halliburton. I was devastated when he got traded. Anyway, as long as it's on record, I was. I was. Ne- I never gave up on Fox. I still haven't given up on Fox. I was never in favor of the idea of trading. Fox for Simmons, and I was right. <laughs> you were right, Joe. I was right. Um, well, Joe, now that the beam is lit uh, and visible Ooh. from my window, you can see it from your house. I can. In that God, special, I, I'm so. Have you gone to games this season? Uh, yeah, about six. Yeah. God damn it! I, I'm. 
it hurts me. The hometown is rocking. It hurts me that I can't I can't go see this team live. It really does. Yeah, baby. Oh man. So many times okay. that we've sat all the way against the wall watching the shittiest, most boring game in the world. <laughs> we've we've gone to good games, but We've gone to yes. a lot of stinkers too. We've gone to a lot of stinkers. No matter what though, it was always fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean you have a good time regardless. And I am gonna miss I am gonna miss like being able to go to a Kings game for seven dollars. You know, it's not it's still but, not bad. It's still not bad. It's still not bad, really. Yeah, yeah. You can get fifteen dollar tickets still. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean actually I just bought some lower bowls for forty five. Are they still are they still doing the Yes the, they the, are the, the, the Kings Pass. They're still it's like seventy five yeah, bucks it's now. Still, though, it's right? still Which bucks. is still a steal. Yeah. Still a steal yeah. to see to see the 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 most entertaining team in the NBA. Yeah, seventy five dollars yeah. a month. Yeah, it's like it's like, that's a steal. And it's like, yeah, it works out to be like ten dollars a game or something. Yeah. It's great. Um, okay. All right, we're closing the I love lid this Kings on Kings team. Talk. Now let's now let's talk talk about Jimmy Buffett. Uh, <sighs> so so Cameron. Yeah. Uh, I have a little I have a little news story I want to share to you before with you before we go to break. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, how closely have you been following this whole um, FTX implosion? <laughs> uh, uh, adjacent. Uh, I'm not like... You've been adjacent? Yeah, I, I'm interested in the downfall of all sorts of uh, uh, scammy, uh, uh, crypto, uh, derivative, speculative anythings. And so I think it's funny yeah. that FTX collapsed. Uh, and so I make sure to see it when I see it, you know? I love it. I've been so I've been so into seeing this because uh, you know I I I I work in an office where I am surrounded literally, like I, I work in a cubicle where I am surrounded front and back with uh, with crypto bros. Oh no, I'm sorry. I, and and it's the the funny thing the funny thing is that it's the there's two there's two kinds of crypto bros. And I and I kind of equate it to like hippies from the sixties. Okay. Where like there were the hippies who were into it because they really wanted to create a countercultural movement. Uh-huh. Um and then there was a much larger contingent where they were just kind of in it for the sex and the drugs. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like they had the they had the aesthetic and everything, but they really were just in it for the sex and the drugs. For sure. And similar similar with the crypto bros. There are like the like the libertarian dudes who, who believe that fiat currency is horrible and that tax yeah. is theft and crypto is the future. Yes, right, and who want a decentralized uh, sure. system of currency that's backed by equations it would, uh, we, that, uh, <laughs> that burn an increasing amount of fossil I, it, fuel. Thank for you. I was just about to say it's yeah. actually just backed by energy expenditure. If you look at it that right, one exactly. went a certain way, which the correct way probably. <laughs> They yeah they want to they want to build an island of servers <sighs> that just keeps getting bigger to create value for this decentralized currency. There's those guys mm-hmm. who I hate still, but I at least respect that they believe in something. Kind of. I yeah, I that's fine. They at least they at least believe in something. Yeah, the sincere it's wrong, ones, but they believe the in. Sin- it. Yeah, exactly. The sincere ones are. Fine. But then. <laughs> There's the ones that are just straight up gamblers, and that's and I why that's I mo- can't participate in this phenomenon. Right? It's too They're fun. Like, I, this is a way to either I can I can either take part and get rich quick, 
or I can just fucking lose all I my money. Just, yeah. I can just start a Ponzi scheme. Or option C is you just stay in it for the thrill no matter what. And those are the real wild people who are just like, oh, I, FTX uh, collapsed and I lost my whole wallet. Uh, Hodel, staying in it, baby. It's like you need to can you need an intervention, my guy. So the guy the guy who sits behind me uh-huh. is like a true believer. Love it. He's like a he's like a like a, a Ron Johnson libertarian okay. guy. And he's heavily invested in crypto. <laughs> the guy who's who sits in front of me, he's like an Elon Musk stan. Oh uh, god. He's and and these two, you know, there's a huge amount of overlap between the two. Sure. But he he uh he is a gambler and he is in it for the for the opportunity yeah. to get rich quick. Yeah. He literally shows up to work every day in a series of hoodies. He has a Tesla hoodie and he has other hoodies that are just like bored ape NFTs. That he owns some of the NFTs, I assume. Yeah, he 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 or he at least aspires to own um, NFTs, and I literally had a conversation with him once where I was like, "You um, can get them for like free right now if you want." Well, I was having a conversation with him where, like, he was telling me about, like, he was trying to explain to me about like how NFTs work, and he's like, "Yeah, you you can buy the NFT and you own the rights to this image. So if that image becomes like iconic, like Mickey Mouse, then you make money off of that." And I said, "Okay, but what about the guy who made your hoodie? Did, did yeah. the person who owned?" <laughs> And he's like, well, no, this is probably... probably yeah. Probably didn't get also, you want, so then... you want to know what? All of these NFT proprietary images that are like fucking computer... They're all stupid as shit. Nobody's yeah. going to use them. Also, you know what? If I wanted to use one of those, you know what I would do? I would mint one that's slightly different and then not pay you fuck yeah. all, you dummy. God, it's so stupid. So, I hate this idea so, so we, much. So this year has been great because we've seen all of this stuff start to blow up. Yeah, it's um, collapsed rapidly. the biggest rapidly. story is is this you know this 30 something year old uh guy who looks like he's never taken a shower in his life named sam bankman freed um who owned fdx uh who were doing super bowl ads which featured like larry david and Shaq, and i i guess larry david and Shaq are both <laughs> in under now. investigation yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so so i found this story i was i was just kind of doing some research um about about this this whole thing and uh i was actually doing research about jimmy buffett and uh this this story <laughs> don't don't up. worry i didn't think you were actually sincerely researching anything else joe no <laughs> no i was like i need a story of some sort for the top half of this oh don't show. tell me that jimmy's and involved in this he is but in in a way that i think will okay delight you. okay okay so i have this article i'm not going to read you the title i'm just going to read you i'm just going to read you this article uh, actually, you know what? I was going to read you the longer article, but I but since we t- we've taken enough enough time already talking about the kings and and crypto, I'm going to read the shorter, more entertaining article. Okay. Because I have, I have two articles on this. One of them is written by a guy who is an entertaining writer. Okay. So I'm just going to read. This. Yeah, that's okay. yeah, that's better material anyway. Yeah. Okay. So the title the title of this article is is titled "Cheeseburgers in Hell." Oh fuck. Yeah. It's for the Halloween. So episode. it starts off. This, it starts off, and you can already tell this guy's got a flair for, 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 for journalistic writing. Or, sorry, this woman, Maggie Harrison, published December 1st. Shout out to Maggie. Yeah. There, there is, as it turns out, a tenth circle of hell for the disgraced ex-FTX CEO, San Bankman-Fried. Insider, Business Insider, reports that, 
According to new court documents filed in outgoing FTX bankruptcy coinpocalypse, the SBF tied hedge fund Alameda Research has one particularly egregious debt. It owes approximately $55,319 to Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. <laughs> yeah, the don't Bahamian fuck around with the Margaritaville lawyers. <laughs> they're coming for you, and they're not stopping. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Seriously, Jimmy Buffett's lawyers? He is, he is famously litigious, you guys. Don't fuck with JB. <laughs> the Bahamanian resort styled uh, after Sandal wearing ukulele playing retirement icons hit song of the same name. So they're, the author's okay. exploring, explaining what Margaritaville is. Yeah, thank is. you. <laughs> yeah. It is yet another absolutely outrageous twist in the FDX scandalous meltdown. As the crypto exchange's bankruptcy scandal continues its dramatic unfolding, the debt of both Alameda and FTX mismanaged finances somehow just keeps getting worse, or in this case, just more ridiculous. So why is it that FTX owes $55,000 to Margaritaville? An excellent question. What were they doing at the Margaritaville Resort that that uh, that that resulted in this? Uh, On a practical level, we can't imagine why or really even how FTX spent over 50 k at Margaritaville. Was it a bar tab? Was it a week-long stay at the hotel's most expensive suite? Mm. An exorbitant number of Buffett's famous cheeseburgers? <laughs> the Paradise Island's Yacht Club docking services? Uh, but we digress. The Beaufort Resort resortedly clocks in as Alameda's fourth largest creditor. What? Ranking only behind Amazon Web Services, uh, an international law firm, and Bloomberg. Talk about Spotify, a Spotify wrapped. What? Okay. So. Oh, that's it? There's got to be a, pre- there's got to be, a, no, there's more. Oh, okay. There's got to be a pretty big drop off, I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, 55 isn't that much. That's not that much money. No. That's like a manageable debt. Yeah. Compared to what I'm imagining they owe their lawyers and um, and Amazon Web Services. 55 is an amount that, that Margaritaville could feasibly get from bankruptcy. Not not, right. not, like, not like these other companies who are going to be totally SOL. That's, a, that's like an amount that like Margaritaville might just call it a wash. Yeah. They're like... Oh, we're not gonna. We're yeah. we're not a high priority payback for this guy's Ponzi scheme. J- Jimmy Jimmy pisses fifty five thousand dollars down the drain <laughs> every Christmas. Jimmy Buffett probably made more than that on this album we're going to talk about today, which is insane to think about. But you're almost certainly <laughs> yeah. correct. Yeah, it's worth noting here. This this next section is called Parrothead Mafia, and this is where the author really gets imaginative. Mm. Uh, so it's, I think this is worth sharing. It's, it's worth noting that Buffett, a very wealthy man, is likely isn't hurting for 50K. But if we were Bankman Freed, we'd be scared, not of jail time, but of Buffett's devoted fan base, Ooh. the Parrotheads. They, they might mostly be boomers, but they're an intense crowd with a whole lot of retirement time on their hands. Plus, a lot of them are probably in the Bahamas already, and most of them probably have boats, too. Don't even try to skip overseas. If you cross their tequila-sipping overlord, there's no hiding from the Parrothead Mafia. Yeah. They've got no shoes, no shirts, and nothing to lose. Damn. That's <laughs> fucking threatening sounding and not untrue. Yeah. I love the idea of a convoy of... A Navy? Boomer. An armada? Yeah. It'd be like the last scene in Dunkirk where like they're commandeering <laughs> all of the personal boats. <laughs> But it's in the Bahamas with like a bunch of shirtless or Hawaiian shirt wearing ancient 
leathery people. And just ripped to shit. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, the, I'm not going to read the Business Insider article, but I think that article did go into more detail about how Sam Bankman Freed ran up this tab. Well, how, what happened? Um, did he buy a lot? Did he buy the discography a bunch of times? Well, it was specifically at the Bahamas resort. Oh, so they just did some shit and th- th- at the resort and ran up a tab. Okay. Well, it says, let me see. I mean, that's the way to enjoy the Margaritaville Bahamas resort is by dropping about 50K. I mean, if you can't drop 50K, like 10K is pretty good too. Like, you know, but if you're going, so it you're says here that it's the point. It says here that the four star hotel uh, that it, that's attached to the resort. The most expensive presidential suite there cost $3,300 a night. So they could have run up a bill by staying there for two weeks. Oh, that, that sounds plausible. That They might have had like a company retreat. Yeah, that makes sense. Retreat yeah. Where they ran up the tab. Okay. Uh, so, SBF, watch out. Watch out. The, Par- the Parrothead Mafia is coming for you, and they want their 55000 <laughs> And they'll take it out <laughs> in one cheeseburger at a time, okay? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that would amount to like what a thousand cheeseburgers? Yeah, at least, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, at Margarita. Wow. Well, I'm I'm so happy that Jimmy's on the right side of this, unlike Larry David and Shaquille O'Neal. Yes, yeah. He once again, Jimmy Buffett, like Zeleg, is always involved in the the news of the world, and he's always on the right side. That's right. He's a hero, and potentially the second coming. So. <laughs> I think we've gotten to the point now. Are we doing two flip flops? I no, there wasn't enough original lyrics on this okay. album to do no, two flip flops. No two flip flops for this episode. So I think uh, I think it's time we break? take a break. I think it's time we take a break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about "Tis the Sea, Son." Oh shit! That is what it says. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, this is actually a great album. All right, I'll be back soon. really just rocked my world right before that break yeah it seems like we made a little bit of a there was a little bit of an epiphany right before we well we went to break i thought that this was a bad album yeah but then when you read the title to me correctly tis the sea sun tis no it's not that's not that's actually not the correct reading it's actually tis the sea sun no joe Come on now, Jimmy Buffett's the famous sea son, and this is him. He's the son of he's the son of the son of the sailor, he's, and he's the son of the sea. And everybody knows that sailors come from the sea. Uh, yeah, and this is how they are birthed, right? Did you honestly think that Jimmy Buffett was going to release a holiday album without making the title a pun? Well, I don't know. I looked at it and I read it, <laughs> and I didn't see it. So yeah, I thought I did, but. Yeah. I guess I'm wrong, and that's why you should discount all my opinions going forward, because clearly this is the never, best album he's ever produced. That's why you should you should never, number one, you never give up on De'Aaron Fox, <laughs> and number two, you never underestimate Jimmy Buffett's ability to make a title. You know what else you shouldn't estimate? 
Underestimate? That's what I mean? Yeah. Uh, his personal record on the bench press, because look at this photo of him right I here. Was he's gonna say, I was going to say, I was going to say, he's looking jacked yeah. as all get out. My, my guy, so we, we've skipped ahead a, we've, skipped, we've skipped ahead a little bit. Uh, the last album we talked about was, I think, 20 years before this album. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know, he, he was looking good for his age. He looked like he was taking care of himself. Still looks great. He was about 50. We're looking at a 70-some-odd Jimmy Buffett now. Yeah. Killing and it. And he is a... He's killing it. He's on that paddleboard. Oh, stand up paddleboarding like no problem. He's wearing like a, a short and t-shirt Santa getup, uh-huh. and that shirt looks like it's painted on him. Uh-huh. Those shoulders, those pecs are looking nice. Look at that fucking <laughs> yeah. forearm. You know? I know. Guys, he, guy is Jimmy taking Buffett, Jimmy Buffett, he's he's he can take me in an arm wrestling competition. He could, any he day could take week. me, period, yeah. 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 Um another huge part on this paddleboard what do we see but yeah. two wonderful saint charles spaniel span that are they saint charles spaniels i knew it was some kind of spaniel saint charles yeah right that's what yeah. oh, no, are those a cavalier i don't know dogs i was gonna well. say springer spaniel or cocker spaniel. i know it's a spaniel okay. two, two real pretty guys with silly reindeer uh, uh headbands on looking like they're he's, over he's this photo to... shoot but clearly talented <laughs> He's got both his he got both his 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 little doggies on the paddleboard with him. Uh, as far as I know, uh, this is like six years ago. Those dogs are still with us, yeah, because they are featured prominently on Jimmy Buffett's social media. Yeah. It's always something I think about whenever I see a dog in a picture. As if they're dead from yet. The past. Yeah, that's that's something yeah, that unfortunately horrible. always crosses my mind. That sucks. Yeah, I know it's terrible because I love dogs, yeah. but I always, I always, I always think about that. But yeah, I can happily report re- report as of the recording of this album, both of these good little boys or girls. Uh, are all, all dogs are boys. We know that. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a... all dogs are boys. All cats are girls. Yeah, all cats are boys too. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a known fact. Oh, and the pope, the pope, by the way, uh, also a boy, recently declared that that dogs do go to heaven. Oh. Well, that's wonderful because he was really the. It looked like uh, uh, Pope Francis's uh, doctrine was was getting pretty anti-canine for a minute there. Yeah. I don't know if you heard yeah. that he was blaming millennials uh, uh, for having more. Pets oh, that's right. Yeah, he's that's he's not right. A fan. Um, oh. But but it's good that he's he's clarified for us that that dogs do go to heaven. So um, at the very least, we're not taking up. Uh, we're not like you know limiting the number of souls that are saved. We're just making them dog souls instead of people souls. Mm-hmm. Which, frankly, is probably more appropriate anyway. Um, uh, I really love this album art. I think it's the best thing about mm-hmm. this album. Um, Jimmy looks great. Those feet are on full display, pumping up those Wiki Feet scores. No problem. Um, oh, I was gonna say, what do you think? What do you think the score is on Wiki Feet? Well, we already we already established it's near perfect. Yeah, this photo. Does each photo on WikiFeet get its own rating? I don't. Not from what we saw. It's more of a. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sure there's some positive well, reviews this is... of this album art, though. Well, then Jimmy Buffett is simply reaffirming in this photo why he has that yeah. 4.5 rating oh, yeah. on Wikifeed. Oh, yeah. No shame in his game. Um, also, those legs, nice. Looking good. Yeah. Um, doesn't look like he's blown out any knees or anything uh, anytime recently. Um, yeah, I really like this album art. And uh, it's Tis the Sea Sun. That's so fun, isn't it? Do you want to talk about you know what music? I like most? You know what I like most about this album? <laughs> what? Is um, it's under forty minutes long. 
you know that was that was one of the other positives I had. It was a this surprisingly is, is efficient first... Christmas album. This is the first under forty minute Jimmy Buffett yeah. album we've talked about maybe since yeah. the mid eighties. Here's a hot take: it could have been under twenty. It, <laughs> it would have been just been. as good. It also it didn't feel it didn't feel short, but at least it, it. You know, I got to like minute thirty, and I was like, "Well, surely I'm almost there." And then I saw four more songs. I was like, "Well, damn it." <laughs> I had a lot. I had a lot of trouble getting through this album in one sitting, and, and we're, we'll talk about I've, why in a second. I have but... never determined quicker on a Jimmy Buffett album yeah. that I was going to listen to it precisely once. <laughs> you really, yeah. I didn't need. I didn't need the, to listen to it no, multiple times don't. to get my takes down. In yeah. fact, before so, you walk into this, you have heard the majority of these songs. Basically, basically, yes, yeah, basically. So let's. Do you want to get started on well, it? We'll talk. Well. Well, okay, but first, first, I wanted to make a couple little notes okay. about the background. Oh, please, yes. So, number one, context is important. If 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 Jimmy Buffett's going to release a Christmas album, I think he picked a good time to do it. Yeah. This uh, this album was re- was recorded in the summer of 2016. It was released in October, late October of 2016, just in time for uh, the 2016 holiday season, and I think that was a year in which. We needed a little bit more Christmas cheer. Yeah, I mean this 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 album dropped, you know, ten days before uh, Donald Trump was elected mm-hmm. as president yeah. of the United States. And I'm not saying that uh, it's Jimmy's to blame, but I am saying mm-hmm. that if this were a better album, people might have had more faith in the Democrats. No, the, the the Chicago Cubs are to blame for why Trump got elected. We all know that they they were never meant to win a world series no, was, and when they when they did splintered the multiverse they, and got us on the yeah they track. opened a portal yeah. that yeah they opened a branch of the multiverse that was never meant to start damn and, and even in that and, cursed multiverse and the we've Kings been living been in good. the worst well Not until the, now. but okay here's here's the thing though by by finally putting a good Kings team on the board, we've created another branch in the multiverse. Oh, okay. Which I think is going to bring us back to uh, to better times ahead. Okay. It's my theory. I mean, the beam certainly is something. I mean, the, it, that, that really helps a lot. The beam cannot make it any clearer. Yeah, yes. we love the beam. So, the other thing that I think is important context for this, for this record is that this was recorded uh, while he was on tour. He recorded the whole Christmas album while he was on tour. So the personnel was limited to um, the touring Coral Reefer lineup, mm-hmm. which I think is probably one of the reasons why this album doesn't sound very good. Yeah, I would also say... It's a very say... stripped down lineup here. Yeah, I mean, well, we can talk about that on some of these tracks. In some yeah. ways, I feel like it could strip more down. <laughs> do yeah. less in so many ways <laughs> uh, okay well joe uh you know how i know jimmy's a fan of the pod yeah because jimmy made his first track wonderful christmas time mm-hmm. just like sir paul mccartney mm-hmm. you want to listen to it let's listen to jimmy's let's version listen to jimmy's version wonderful christmas time
Sir Paul or Jimmy? It's interesting. This song, um, it's kind of become almost universally lauded as like one of the worst modern Christmas songs. And I think that's not really fair. Oh. Personally. Like I, I don't think I don't think this is a good song. No. I, either when Paul McCartney did it or when Jimmy Buffett did it. It's certainly not the worst Christmas song. And I think maybe the reason why people give this give McCartney's version shit is because of how um, how out of date the production was, how synthy it was. Mm. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. And I think it's interesting that when Jimmy Buffett decided to cover this song, he decided to keep the synths. Which is weird because it sounds bad in this song. It's actually kind of distractingly bad. It's almost, and again, I don't know shit about music, so bear with me. Yeah, It sounds almost like it's just playing minor chord melodies, as if that's going to help flesh out I don't know what it's. It's, it's so. Yeah. It was the first thing I picked up on was how distracting the fucking keyboard work was. I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, here, here is here's a song that like Paul McCartney didn't do quite right initially. Maybe this is like Jimmy Buffett can can like correct it. Yeah. Maybe he can do like his take on this song, but he didn't. He and, and I think that's going to be a consistent theme throughout yeah. this album is like when he when presented with an opportunity to really make a song his own, uh, he just didn't really take that opportunity. Yeah. So we end up with kind of, again, sort of like the original one, uh, a weirdly dated uh, Christmas song. And it's hard to make a Christmas song dated. <laughs> exactly. This is supposed right? to be timeless in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's weird. So he slows it down to this like kind of fun island rhythm, right? That he does. His signature yeah, we got some reggae rhythm. beats. Yeah. Uh, and it makes it so much more egregious. Mm-hmm. You know, in concept, I get it. Okay, so yeah, yeah, a little bit more groovy. That could be fun. But honestly, the song sounds like he's not having a wonderful Christmas time at all. It sounds no. like he's having a very morose Christmas time, in fact. And That's true, and that was that was true of the original one as well. But at least, I mean, like, if you think about it, like, you can hear the McCartney version in your head, right? Yeah. It is like, well, McCartney, it's like 50% more No matter more what, puppy. no matter how bad the production is, McCartney is still a great singer. Right. And we know that's not true for JB. No. And you could really feel it here. This was a Jimmy's, wild Jimmy's... first choice of a track, by the way. I was totally Jimmy. Blown away. Jimmy is like Jimmy is like the Malik Monk of singers. He <laughs> he he's not the most he's not the most naturally gifted, but he's got the attitude. And the attitude carries him, right? <laughs> that's honestly so rude to Malik Monk. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? That's true. Yeah, Malik Monk is. 
I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to compare Jimmy Buffett's singing ability to Malik Monk's basketball skills. Jimmy Buffett's like, uh, he's like the Jimmy Buffett's singing is like uh, Jimmy Buffett's uh, voice is like the Matthew Delavadova of singing, where <laughs> you, you don't ask him to put on a lot of strain for very long, but he'll get you there. <laughs> it'll be sloppy, you know, but it'll you get know, you there. You know what? You know what Jimmy Buffett's singing is. If I if I wanted to make a King's comparison here, real quick before you say this, this and I do I, want to hear yeah. it sincerely, this podcast is for yeah. nobody but us. No, <laughs> this is such a this, bad one. This album, this album does not warrant a serious discussion. So we're not going to have a serious it's discussion. So bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Okay. This out al- this this podcast is just for us. Anyway. I'm gonna have to go back a few years. I'm gonna go- have to go back a few years if I wanted to compare Jimmy Buffett singing to a Kings player. He's the you know Darren Collison. No, not Darren Collison. It's um, Yogi Ferrell. Yogi Ferrell. Thank you. Yeah, Jeez. Yogi Ferrell. Ferrell. Okay, so Yogi Ferrell is Jimmy Buffett singing. Okay, that. God, this podcast is not even for us now. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, should we move on? I guess. Oh, uh... Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, no, I have nothing else. Oh, except for that, when I did Google this, uh, it did not even come up on, like, the first page of results. <laughs> just to get oh, really? about the scope, yeah. <laughs> so, so, just to wrap up Wonderful Christmas Time, I don't think this is the worst Christmas song. No. I don't think, I don't think this is the worst Christmas song that Jimmy Buffett covered on this album no i don't even think that this is the worst christmas song by a former beetle that jimmy buffett has covered did he cover so this is christmas on the last one he cut co- yeah he, co- he covered he covered the the john lennon christmas song that on the last album oh i guess he did didn't he that we both hated yeah yeah i've really blocked that i looked at my notes briefly <laughs> and there was like almost nothing yeah. there <laughs> yeah. i was like oh god yeah. um, all right Track number two, in, in a classic Jimmy formula, he's going to give you the thesis statement up top, which is, this is going to yeah. be derivative and weird. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to follow it up with something a little bit more rocky. And of course, to make it derivative derivative and weird and rocky, it's got to be yeah. Jingle Bell Rock. Here we go. Oh, sorry. Hold on. That was the familiar version that you already know. Let me go ahead and play the Jimmy Buffett version. <clears throat> All right. Here we go. Jingle Bell Rock. <laughs> Literally, if you if you had just told me that was the original version, I would have believed you. Except, except that this might be the most cacophonous Jimmy Buffett track I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it is so fucking obnoxious. It is. I, well, the, and this one is. This is the number one point in favor of why this is a bad album. I think yeah. that, and to your point, it was on tour when they recorded this. I get that. Yeah. This is so poorly mixed throughout. Yeah. I couldn't fucking think or feel. I just went into like yeah. a weird little waking coma for the two minutes that this song ran. I'm so glad it was only two minutes. It is so hard to listen to. I don't know if it's just the version that Spotify streams 
or what, mm-hmm. but it sounded like shit. Just literally sounded bad. I think this whole this whole album sounds bad, and I think that's the reason why. This is not a song that has ever brought me joy. No. I, I've never liked this Christmas song. I've always been especially annoyed by it. I don't know exactly why. Um, I think it's because it's supposed to be fun. But it's so boring. But it's so... It's so played out as well. You sing it at the same tempo as the birthday song, and it's not fun, (laughs) and it's not rock. Yeah, and yet it's a huge. It was a. It's a. It's a modern classic. It's one of the. It's one of the, probably one of the top ten, Christmas songs, right? Oh yeah, for certain. Like if you're gonna make a Christmas playlist, this is gonna be on it. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, this version is especially egregious though, because it's like. The only uh, the best thing you can say about the song Jingle Bell Rock mm-hmm. is that it's not like it's slow as molasses, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's in theory got some kind of like fun grooviness to it. Right. You can't even hear the fun parts cuz the fuck every instrument is like 17 times too loud and Jimmy is like singing like he's just been asked to sing it in the car real quick, you know? Yeah. God, it's just totally soulless. I hate this track so much. Honestly, I almost texted you to say that we shouldn't even do this episode after this track. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, after these first two, I was like, I am going to die. And then the next track saved it because it's so fucking weird (laughs) that this is even on an album at all. (laughs) Yeah. I love that he chose this one. What a weird third track. (laughs) The strangest third track of all fucking time. (laughs) Yeah. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, which is now on an album for the first time ever in 2016. <laughs> Here we go. This is my two front teeth, my two front teeth, yeah, my two front teeth. Gee, if I could only have my two front teeth, then I could wish you Merry Christmas. Seems so long since I could say, Sister Susie's sitting on a thistle. Gosh, oh gee, how happy I'd be if I could only whistle. Okay, this is a song that's meant to be sent, sung by a 10 year old. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Like, not that's not an exaggeration or a joke. That's an actual factual statement. Right. Jimmy Buffett is 70 years old. <laughs> yeah. Singing a song that somebody a tenth of his age coined. I hate this. It's, just, it's, the, most, it's the most inappropriate thing that he could possibly do on a Christmas album. And I almost want to say that it's, like, funny intentionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, putting it track three is a pretty bold... I mean, that's pretty fucking funny. Yeah. What the fuck, though, is this? <laughs> I will give it one thing. I'll give it two things, actually. First thing. Mm-hmm. He finally shuts the fuck up. I can actually hear this one. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, this one I didn't want to, like, fucking plug my ears, at least. There's also this, like, fun little, like, uh, I don't know, it's like a tempo key change a minute and a half through. I'm going to mm-hmm. play that part. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, two front teeth, two front teeth. Gee, if I could only have my... That was fun. That little jazzy part yeah. in the middle. That's kind of cool. You know what this song is? This is like, did you ever watch that show Pen15? Yeah, I love Pen15. 
like watching those thirty year old women mm. acting opposite <coughs> child like, actors actual stuff. as children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's what this song is. You're right, and that's actually that's why I like kind of saved. It was I was saved by this track. I think that's such a good insight. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what it feels like. <laughs> oh. That's what this song is. How many? How is, many? Is, how many is is like Steve Buscemi coming in on Thirty Rock uh, to play the uh, the the fake high <laughs> the school fellow <laughs> kids <laughs> meme, yeah. the classic meme. Oh, fellow youths. Um, Joe, how many Christmas songs would you name before you thought of "All I Want for Christmas Is My Two Front Teeth"? Probably twenty-five. Yeah, a lot, right? This is such yeah. a weird choice. This yeah, is such a weird choice. Yeah, this is not. This is not a. You know, this is not a. Uh, this wouldn't be part of your starting rotation on on you. Uh, for a you wouldn't song. you wouldn't draft this song in the first round. No, this is s- no. This isn't even like a Matthew Delavadova. Yeah. This yeah. is this is like a G League song. Yeah, you you draft this back half of the second round to put him in the G League for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. Can we move on from this weird track three? Yeah. Track four. This is fun because I did. This is fun because I did not remember the track order of this album. So every one of these is a surprise. Oh, is it? <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, track four, we get. I think what is our first original, if I'm not mistaken. Um, okay. Uh, because I did Google Driving the Pig, and this was the only song. Oh, this made. one. Okay. Uh, All right. But uh, there's also a really wonderful image that came with this, and I think it should pop right up. Let's see. It's like an, a piece of AI art. No, no, it was a piece of old school photography. Uh, well, it didn't pop up again. Uh, there was a really wonderful picture that you could purchase online for a couple hundred dollars of a, a person driving in the front seat with their pig. Um, but that's neither here nor there because this is Manejando El Cerdo, Driving the Pig by Jimmy Buffett, track number four. all the spanish too uh mm. jimmy goes latin uh something that mm. he likes to throw in there every now and then honestly refreshing at this point in the album yeah yeah, yeah. i, I would have i would have liked to just hear jimmy buffett do it i think actually you know you know what the difference is between uh this album and the last one i think the last one the originals were actually kind of the weaker songs on the album which mm. this one i think the originals are the stronger ones I, that's a good um, insight too yeah i think he he did a better job on the last album of like taking standards and making them jimmy buffett songs whereas this one he just kind of he just kind of punted on the standards and focused on the four or five originals uh this song i don't think it's really a christmas song 
I don't know what this song is. It's the it's the Christmas equivalent of Halloween in Tijuana, where he just kind of mentions the holiday yeah, up top, and then literally nothing nothing else in the song is about Christmas. He said, "Oh, I have it's to kind do of a like, holiday themed song." Well, obviously, it's got to have like a quasi cumbia uh, beat to it. <laughs> okay. This song, this song, I wrote this song that's not quite good enough for one of my normal albums. So I'll just make it the best song on my Christmas album. Now, here's the thing, Joe. And yeah. that's actually maybe exactly how it happened. <laughs> what does this mean? Because at first I was like, oh, Jimmy knows something that I don't. So I Googled uh-huh. Driving the Pig to see if it would be like a. F- no, it doesn't come. It's not a thing. I Maybe it's an inside joke or something. Uh, I don't know. Why is it in Spanish? It's it's something that happened to them when they were in Mexico that involved a pig around Christmas time. Do you time, actually maybe? think maybe, or do you? Th- I I don't know. I don't know. He's he's telling a no story, idea. but even after reading it, I'm not sure what what it means. This is one of the most opaque Jimmy Buffett songs we've ever heard. Usually, we know exactly yeah. what the song is about. Here here's another hot take. If this were not on this album, I would give it a lot more thought. Yeah, exactly. But I I just figured this was a Christmas song. But the more I think about it, the more I'm vexed by it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what this means. Because yeah, we... driving the pig does sound like a, a slang term. Like, uh, mm-hmm. what, God, what could that mean, driving the pig? What could that mean? It could mean, like... I, driving the pig kind of sounds like if you're if you're following up on a craving and making a, a really big order at a restaurant because of it, you're driving the pig, you know? Yeah. Um, or driving or maybe the pig. Maybe the pig's driving you. Yeah, it's more pig's driving me, huh? If we were listening to it, like you said, if we were listening to a different Jimmy Buffett album, I would have like listened to it 10 or 12 times, and I would have really thought about right. it. But I had already committed by to... 20 seconds of track number one that I was going to listen to every single part of this album precisely once and not again. I listened to this song through, I listened to this album all the way through once, and then I re-listened to a couple of the tracks, and that was about yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's hard. Yeah. Well, um, best one so far, uh, contender for best song on the album? It's, it's it's in contention for the best song on the album. Can I can uh, I say this? Could have been half as long. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, there's one song on this album that definitely could have been half as long and should have been, and we'll talk about that when we get there. I think I know which one um, you're talking about. The next one. The next one. He said, hey, did you like originals? How about something less? <laughs> you know, the, the next one, it's like... Um, I, I wanted Jimmy Buffett to make these standards his own, and then the next song makes me kind of uh, regret what yeah. I wish for. Yeah, um, and you might know what it is already, but it is, in fact, Jimmy Buffett's own take on the 12 Days of Xmas. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a purple parrot in the palm tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two tattoos and a... Joe, I just had an idea, actually. I realized that it doesn't make sense for us to play this particular track from the beginning. Yeah. Because we all know how this song goes. Yeah. So we should probably play it from the end so you can hear all 12 days all at once and then that's That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. I I just realized that that right now because it was making me laugh already. Yeah, he's gonna list off all of okay. them at the very end. Let me try and so, find it here. Okay, twelfth day of Christmas, Parrothead version. Here they go from twelve to one. All your favorites. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 
Twelve and shark loggers, eleven Lulu cookbooks, ten tiki torches, nine pairs of flip flops, eight vintage eight tracks, seven Vegas tickets, six Mac guitar picks, five cheeseburgers, four Hawaiian youth, three fin hats, two tattoos, and a purple hammer in a palm tree. Do you hear the joy at the end of that song, Joe? Do you know what that was? It's finally over. He was happy it was over, too. Yes. Yeah. I have never heard somebody get bored of their own song barely one minute into it. But that's precisely what what happened in this one. No matter what, when you're doing the 12 Days of Christmas, you're going to get bored. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to get... Like, it's it's a song that gets old really fast. I think Jimmy regretted his choice at four Hawaiian ukes. And I think he actually started getting winded at... Eight vintage eight tracks. <laughs> the only the only song that's more exhausting uh, than than the Twelve Days of Christmas is uh, Hundred Bottles of Beer on the Wall. Yeah, it's literally the same concept. Um, yeah, I. You know what? I th- I have a theory about the recording of this. I think that I don't. I I think that it was just Jimmy Buffett and Nadira Shakur in the studio. <laughs> I think that they isolated the track from an original version of Twelve Days of Christmas. And just sang over it. Man. Maybe. (laughs) It could be. I don't think that there was any new instrumentation recorded for this. It didn't need to be. No. Yeah, imagine imagine making the Coral Reefers play it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, this was pretty bad, but do you want to play a fun game, Joe? I do, and I've prepared a fun game, but I want to see what you... Maybe we had the same idea here. Yeah, the idea I had is that we were going to uh, draft these gifts, uh, our top three, oh. side, uh, going back to back. Uh, I love this. Let, so let's do. So there's twelve total, right? There's so twelve. Let's do, let's, let's do top. Let's do three. Let's do top five each. Oh, five is so okay, many. Top three. three. There's not that many good ones here. Okay, so th- I love this idea, and I have something I want to do that's also kind of sports related. Uh, after this. But let's do uh, let's do our draft. Okay. All right, you want so, first pick uh, or second pick? Uh, I'm gonna go second pick in this draft. Second pick. Okay. And you you'll get back yeah. to backs. So it'll go like back you'll get backs. you'll get second third. I'll get fourth fifth. Yeah. Okay. Sound good? All right. Okay. Well, with the first overall pick in the Twelve Days of Xmas Parrothead version draft, uh, I'm gonna have to take. And this is this is tough for me because there's a lot of. Mm. Um, I mean, there's really not a lot of top tier candidates in my opinion but i think the best value no it's 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 a it's a it's a it's kind of a it's kind of a weak yeah, draft this pretty, year, pretty weak draft but i think that the I star think got, i think we got maybe one or two star uh, top players and then there's a big drop yeah off i agree three. i agree um i'm not looking pick forward to picks four and five but i'm gonna have to take two tattoos now that's 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 i i'm really surprised that you used your first pick for two tattoos as a person who already has four tattoos uh, try again, Joe. It's like nine. <laughs> you got like nine tattoos. I got a lot now. of tattoos right now. Yeah. Did you? Did I show you my chest yet? No. Oh, do you want to see? All right. Let's. Yeah. I oh, see you're what's gonna going on you're gonna your be chest. shook. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get naked for you, Joe. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be another picture of me. All right. My headphones are off, so I can't hear you. Please keep that in mind. I just want the fans to know that while this is a chest tattoo, I am taking off my pants first for Joe. Right, <laughs> of course. Here we go. All right, so I am looking at... What do you see, Joe? Uh, 
it's kind of hard because I can't zoom in. How do I zoom in on your on your camera? Oh, right, because we're uh, tiny right now, huh? Yeah. Okay. You're tiny. You're a thumbnail. Here, 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 here. We'll do it this way. There we go. All right. So I am seeing we got like a symmetrical uh, white rose and red rose, one on each pectoral. Uh, they're uh, they're very they're actually very tropical looking. These are things that I can imagine being like like a decaled on a guitar. Uh, they're a little bit like they're a little bit like sailor tattoos almost, kinda. Like 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 it looks like Cameron went to Tahiti and and uh, and decided to get uh, two tattoos on uh, his vacation. <laughs> it's one big tattoo though. Importantly, are they connected? Oh, you see the bottom. I don't see the bottom. Oh, you don't see the nips? Oh. Oh. Yeah. I don't see the nips. Okay, so they are connected and touching at the very bottom, the white rose and the red rose, uh, right around... I actually thought those little black marks would have been the nips, but yeah. Nice. So why, what, what is the significance of this tattoo? Why did you decide to get this one? I wanted to get that one covered up, that's all. And then I was like... The Arabic? Got my whole... The Arabic? Yeah. yeah. Numerals? Yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, yeah, it's peonies are the big ones. There's some jasmine mm-hmm. and just kind of cool leaves and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I just wanted a cool chest piece. Look at the nip, though. See that work? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. That, was nervous. that must hurt. Uh, it took a while, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. the most egregious one, for sure. All right, uh, that was an aside. Um, okay. so, but I did take two tattoos. Uh, right, I think two that's tattoos, the best money one. value. Two tattoos, I mean, you know, that's going to cost at least $200, no matter how you cut it, up to a lot more than that. So I think two tattoos is where I'm going to go. Oh, well, I've actually crunched the numbers, and that is definitely not the greatest money value item on the on the docket here. Um, so with my, my second pick in the... Uh, in in the uh, the twelve days of Christmas Parrothead version draft, I'm gonna go with what actually is. Actually, no, this is not the highest value item on the on the docket. I'm gonna go with a purple parrot in a palm tree. Wow, wow, that parrots is a bold pick. First of all, parrots are 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 very intelligent creatures, which if you train them properly. Uh, you can form a very strong companionship bond with. Uh, you definitely need to make sure that you are taking care of them and 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 giving them a a, hab- a habitat where they can thrive. Purple parrots are extremely rare, and I and I and it's it's a it's a a, a pet companion that here's the great thing about parrots they're kind of like tortoises. You don't have to worry about uh, you don't have to worry if you take good care of a parrot that um, they're going to die on you. Because those things live forever. Joe, I don't think that's true. <laughs> Parrots live a long time. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, if they can. I mean, I think, I think... Parrots can live to be 100 years old. That is that true? That's true. Parrots can live to be 100 years old. If you, if you take proper care of I mean, of I'm not a bird scientist, so I wouldn't really know, but... Yeah. Well, I guess I have to believe you. Huh. Okay. Well, uh, Joe, honestly, are you ready for that responsibility though? I've already got two dogs and I got I got yeah, a, a daughter. That's true. Yeah. So, worst case scenario, you got just a lot. dogs and it's all good. Yeah. Okay, good point. Right, good exactly. Point. And then you get a sick pond. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Let okay. it fly free. Sick pick. Okay, you get to pick number 3 too. Pick number 3. I got to go with the 7 Vegas tickets. 
Wow. Okay. I mean, even if you don't Never know what the tickets Vegas. are for. I assume they're for a Jimmy Buffett show. I don't, this I don't know. This is the parrot head version. I mean, uh, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with the seven Vegas tickets. I've never been to a Jimmy Buffett show. Uh, I've never been to Vegas before. So I think that would be a, a wonderful new experience for me, um, all around. Well, I, so, I, I'm uh, glad you took that because I, I would have taken, uh, my next two picks, uh, picks number four and five overall. I, I, I was debating taking either of them first. Uh, with the fourth pick mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, 12 Days of Christmas Period Head version draft, I'm going to take five cheeseburgers. Uh, it's, oh, that's it's, a great it's pick. solid. You can't miss. He's, is it going to be, you know, an all-star? No. But is it going to be a consistent role player for years to come? Yeah. Five cheeseburgers. And with the second but, pick... But again, again, there, there's the unknown. Similar with the seven Vegas tickets. We can't be sure that that's going to be a Jimmy Buffett show. Uh, the five cheeseburgers, I mean, they could be five... Five guys cheeseburgers, or they could be five Margaritaville cheeseburgers, and you don't want to, you don't want to experience that wet meat five times. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So think, that's actually that's I a think, good point. Think, there is a bus potential here. I, You're right. I forgot. I think five cheeseburgers definitely has a high ceiling. Yeah. Uh, but there is definite bust potential okay. for that. Well, here's the thing: is that it, when I take it, when I take the five cheeseburgers fourth, I'm kind of obligated to take this next one fifth, and I'm going to take twelve land lagers because. No matter what kind of cheeseburger it is, 12 is the appropriate number of beers for five cheeseburgers. You can't have more than 12 because you get too full, right? Yeah. But 12, like, I mean, that's 2.25 per... 2.5. 2.5 per burger, yeah. So that's, like, pretty good. 2.5 per burger. Um, uh, That's a pretty good ratio. Uh, I think that they're going to come in really clutch for those last, like, three cheeseburgers. So, yeah, I I think those are going to be my fourth and fifth pick, which leaves you with the last pick, Joe. For the last pick in... The and of course, again we've had we've had a we've had a big drop off here Huge. Huge. Uh, after the, after the top five. I recognize that. Yeah, you know if if you had asked me uh, if you had asked me a few years ago, I would have gone with the ten tiki torches because they can really do a lot to add ambiance to your backyard. Yeah. But tiki tiki torches tiki torches have fallen. Yes, quite a they bit. have. Yeah, um, stock plummeted so, about nine months after this was released <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly yeah precise precisely yeah. As, as did izod shirts <laughs> <laughs> yeah izod and dockers um, have been canceled since august 2017 yeah i'm gonna go with my fifth and final pick in the in the draft with four hawaiian ukes yeah, that's a great pick that's a really value pick. high yeah, value high High value pick. Yeah. Uh, Not everybody's they, taste, but but I think no. with the right the right team concept, I think those are star players. Yeah. The great thing though is that uh, if I if I can get if I if I can get good on the uke, I can start an Instagram channel and get guaranteed oh, yeah. uh, five thousand followers. Yeah, you kidding me? Instantly. Yeah, between the dogs Just and the uke ukes. covers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was a great draft, Joe. Um, uh, you know, there's one on here uh, that I wouldn't mm. have taken under any circumstances, and you did identify mm-hmm. it was the ten tiki torches. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was the only one, and boy, did that plummet in value so shortly after this was released. Uh, <laughs> it, it is it is lucky that we didn't jump on yeah. that and ma- when it, when we had the opportunity. And I think we can blame uh, the Unite the Right rally for the reason why this uh, album didn't take off in more force. You know, probably. Yeah. Um, so so Cameron, I've got. Yeah. 
I don't. Oh no, don't you're putting the shirt back on. My shirt off, Joe. She might. She uh, might get the wrong idea. You know. Are you Are you guys doing long distance video call sex again? <laughs> yeah. No. He's just showing me his cool tattoos and his nipples. His cool nipples. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, Joe. Are you done with this song? So we're not done with this oh, song yet. God. Sorry. That's okay. But I, I oh, you had to a game play too. a little game okay. with the song. I have a little game with the song as well. So I don't know if you saw this article. Uh, Forbes put out an article for the original Twelve Days of Christmas, in which they calculated the overall value of all of the items from the original Twelve Days of Christmas. What cumulatively they would be valued at in twenty twenty dollars? Because I think the, the 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 article is a couple of years old. Okay. Um, what, what a what a nerdy freaking article, by the way. Well, it's Forbes. Yeah. They've got a bunch of. They've got a Dorks. bunch of nerds working for them. Yeah. yeah. They just care about... Literally, it's a magazine devoted to the value of things. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they determine on the, uh, the the cumulative total of all the gifts on, 12, on the 12 days of Christmas was $197,000. That's pretty good. In 2020 dollars for all those 12 days of Christmas. So what I did when I found this out is I nerded out myself... And I did research on all of the items in the Jimmy Buffett <laughs> yeah. Parrot Head 12 Days of Christmas to, to roughly estimate what their value would be. In and 1950s dollars? In, in $2022 based on a very very cursory Bing search in which I took some liberties. Yeah, named after Bing Cosby, um, uh, Christmas legend, obviously. Right. And I, I, thought, I thought we might do uh, over-unders with some of I these. I like that. I like that. Let's do it. Okay. So first, uh, first item, purple parrot in a palm tree. Yeah, that's a good one. Over under five thousand dollars. I mean, market value. I'm gonna go probably under, but I think that uh, uh, in terms of like sentimental value, uh, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, 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 purple parrot value, no, way over. But yeah. it's it's I think by market value lower. Lower. So you're taking the under the on under purple parrot in a palm tree. Okay, that was smart. Uh, I, I calculated the the highest possible value of the two items together. Uh, the highest value parrot that you could buy, according to the very cursory Bing search I did, was about $3,000. Yeah. And palm trees top out at about $700. Yeah. So the putting together, I, I put... $3,700 is the va- approximate value of a purple parrot in a palm tree. Now, Joe, I hate to prolong the amount of time that we spend on this track, but yeah. I do have a question for you because you've just said something twice that is uh, confusing to me. Yeah. Do you use Bing as a search engine all the time? Uh, If I don't have a VPN, yeah. Oh, because Google's blocked in China? Yeah, Google doesn't work without a VPN, so I have oh, to use Bing. Oh, shit. Damn, I didn't even and know. And I that. was at work. I was at work when I was doing this, so oh. I had to use Bing as a search engine. Wow, that's wild. Okay. Yeah, but also, also, I'm just gonna say, ideologically, I use Bing as an alternative to Google's monopoly on information searching. Honestly, I respect the shit out of that, and Google has been getting worse. So, all right, I, well, let's let's just go with that. Okay. Let's just go with that then. Um. Yeah, that's like why I use Mozilla search- as my browser. You search any item on Google, and like the first half of the first page is just going to be links to stuff you can yep. buy. Yeah. So anyway, over under mm. four 
Hawaiian Utes. Ooh. Over under three thousand dollars. I mean, obviously, it depends on the uke, right? Like, I think yeah. the floor for this is going to be like a hundred and fifty bucks, right? Yeah. Understanding that we're talking about JB, who knows a good fucking Hawaiian uke, I'm taking the over. Mm-hmm. You're taking the over. Yeah. Again, you're two for two. I I did a, a search of the the uh, the kind of the average price of a ukulele, um, and they go for about a thousand dollars. So if you get four of them, that's going to be about four thousand yep. dollars. Yep. Yeah, and and of course, if it's Jimmy Buffett, you know he's going to get the oh, highest quality yeah, Hawaiian uke. How about five cheeseburgers over under uh, $70? These are Margaritaville cheeseburgers that I should specify. I looked up the price of a Margaritaville cheeseburger. Wow. I mean, it's bleak (laughs) that, I mean, what would, uh, that's what, $16 a cheeseburger, right? Yeah, yeah. So do I think that a Margaritaville cheeseburger in paradise is more than $16? I unfortunately I gotta take the over here. I think that's mm-hmm. such a travesty knowing what I know about the Margaritaville cheeseburgers. Um, wow! But I do have to take the over. So you think a Margaritaville cheeseburger is over sixteen dollars? I bet that it's eighteen dollars going right. Yeah. You you are killing it. The, a margar and the average Margaritaville cheeseburger is between fifteen and seventeen dollars. Disgusting. Which means that five. Five sopping wet Margaritaville <laughs> cheeseburgers is about is approximately seventy five dollars. That's so, so wild. three for three, three for three. <laughs> That's so wild. All right, so I can't believe it's so expensive. <laughs> so final final one. Uh, oh well, let's let's do one last one and then we'll do the over under for the whole lot. Ooh, that's fun. Okay. Okay, so over under. Seven Vegas tickets. This is such a nightmare. Okay, what's the price? <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, I have to do an over yeah. under. Uh, over under two thousand dollars. Uh, seven. Two thousand dollars. Yes, yeah, seven. Over under two thousand dollars. And are we are we pricing JB tickets? Yeah, I looked up the price of JB's tickets. I can only hope for the under. Okay, so you're you're gonna take the under of yeah, two thousand dollars for seven Jimmy Buffett Vegas tickets. I mean, yeah, it's like that'd be like two hundred and thirty dollars a ticket or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I looked up the uh, the upcoming Vegas show that Jimmy Buffett's gonna be playing next March. The tickets are listed. Um, uh, yeah, what, what are floor tickets? And, and it, yeah. So, like, yeah, I did floor tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if you want to, if you want to sit in the one hundred section, uh-huh. it's going to be approximately two hundred dollars per ticket. So, if you get seven it's together, 14, yeah. it's fourteen hundred. And I added in like it, taxes just and es- fees estimating and, yeah, yeah, yeah. like five hundred dollars in, in ticket master. Yeah, five hundred dollars in ticket <laughs> master fees and about seven hundred dollars yeah. in margaritas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're going to buy, you're going to suck down about three or four $25 margaritas when you're on the floor of a JB concert, obviously. Yeah. So my estimate, so like the definite, the definite like listed price of seven Vegas tickets is 1400. I'm estimating 
that the final price that you're actually going to be paying it's, for it's those seven tickets yeah. would be about twenty nineteen hundred. Oh, okay. So the under, I'm going to give you the under okay, on that. I appreciate one. that, but I could see that easily going over based on the logic you just described. Yeah, you almost have a queen sweep here, Cameron. Yeah, I know. The last item that uh, on the on the docket is the whole okay, lot. That's tough. Yeah. So all together, all the items together. Man. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say off the bat, it's definitely less expensive than the original Twelve Days of Christmas. Okay. You know, Jimmy Buffett knows that his parrothead followers are on a budget. Yeah. You know. Um. Over under for the all of the all of the items together, ten thousand dollars. Okay. That's an interesting one, Joe, because I'm looking at this. Remember, you got you got the big value 11, items are not eleven Lulu cookbooks, yeah, the... which is my favorite little ad plug oh, God, in the middle. Of... It's the whole thing. Eleven of my wife's cookbooks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, the, the the top the top number items are really not pulling their weight here. You know, I mean, a case of land shark lager is not very expensive. That's the least valuable yeah, item so on the, in the whole. You said ten k, and I'm looking at you know you know on the twelfth day on the twelfth day you're start you're starting to feel the pinch for sure. Yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it looks like about day eight he started feeling the pinch. You know. Yeah. yeah after those tickets, he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna." Here's some I old the eight tracks the, I have, and around when he was buying dollars. guitar picks is when he's starting to feel a little <laughs> yeah, pinch. Exactly. Yeah, because he heard he felt that Vegas ticket coming. Um, yeah. 10k huh well i think Mm -hmm. even if i just go hawaiian ukes two tattoos purple parrot palm tree and the vegas tickets we're getting close so i'm gonna take slight over Uh on this one slight over well cameron well-placed line you got the queen sweep here the total value of all of the items together is $11,777.99. The $0.99 cents is the Landshark Lager. Obviously, it's, obviously, it's, uh, yeah. It's valued at uh, fifteen ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, we can add some CRV to that, too, to be fair. Every other item is is exactly the to the dollar amount. There's no... no, no. <laughs> wow, Joe, that was a great game. I love that game. Yeah. And I was good at it. Makes me feel good. Yeah, twelve k. Honestly, you were, you were great. You were great at that. You should go on the prices. I'm right. pretty good at prices, right? Yeah, twelve k yeah. is honestly like a great price for all of those things. Yeah, cheap. A nice cheap Christmas. Seven tickets get... to the Vegas show. Yeah, four cool ukes and two tattoos. I mean, and a purple parrot and a palm tree, which is almost. Un- you know what priceless. I love? You know what I love about all these all these gifts is that they're all family gifts, right? They really are. Yeah. You, you take your family of, of five or your family of four out to cheeseburgers before the before the uh, the sh- the show. Yeah. You invite your side family out to to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, grandma, grandma, and grandpa come with you to 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 the Vegas uh-huh. show. Uh, you all have your ukes there and. Uh, Maybe mom, dad, and the oldest kid has their fin hats. Yeah, and you and you all wear uh, flip flops, and you you bring two flip flop backups, obviously, just in case you you, yeah. you you blow it out and step on a pop top, right? You got to have backups. Yeah, yeah, and then and then the next day you 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 and uh, ten of your closest friends each prepare your favorite item from Lulu's cookbook, uh-huh. Lucy Muppet's cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> just, again, a wild bad plug for that. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, and uh, you and the adults can uh, uh, not catch a bug. Each have one land shark. Yeah, logger. you can you can all not get plus, drunk. Plus an extra like you you need the extra one left over because one of those Lulu recipes is going to require yeah, yeah, a beer, some kind of sure. a beer batter or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. someone's going to make the someone's going to make Lulu's famous fish and chips. Yeah. yeah. All right, I think we're ready to move I, on. I mean, look, we only talked about the twelve days of Christmas for forty five minutes. Um, <laughs> we we gave this incessant song the discussion it deserved. Yeah, surely. Which is an incessant discussion. Uh, Joe, I'm looking at the rest of these tracks, and I do believe yeah. this is uh, not only the best song on the album, but the only good one. It might be. Here we go. What I didn't. And this is a Mac. This is a Mac McNally yes. song. Mac McNally. Another song, an original. Yeah. What I didn't get for Christmas. Christmas, the very thing I wanted the most. No island or peninsula or isthmus. You bet you guess where you're getting close. So close as you can put your finger on it. So far, my wishing just didn't do. I didn't get for Christmas what I wanted. A little more time with you. I want to fool around, go to town in the devil. Jimmy Buffett song. Fine. Yeah, it's 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 a cool kind of vintage, uh, like early '60s yeah. sounding rockabilly kind of song. And it's fun. Um, and the band is having yeah. fun. And it's good. Yeah, it's the most engaging song. It's 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 efficient. It's exactly as long as it needs to be. And it's about Christmas. Uh, and it's about Christmas, unlike the other original that we've listened yeah. to so far. Yeah. And we know what it's about. Yeah. Like the other the other one was so uh it was so uh mysterious to us. This one is clear. In fact, it's so clear that even when uh Jimmy Buffett makes a double entendre, he has to point out that he is making a double entendre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was my favorite that was my favorite uh part where he says uh I want to fool around and roll around in the double meaning way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> doesn't trust. He doesn't trust his audience is going to pick up on that. Right. Well, <laughs> Jimmy has <laughs> a long track record of treating parrot heads like the dumbest people on the fucking planet, <laughs> and this is another example of that. Another example of him being as on the nose as he can be. Imagine in his songwriting. Imagine thinking that your fans can't interpret a Christmas song. <laughs> How much did you have to fucking hate your fans at that point? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, I really actually like the song. This is the only song I would put on a Christmas playlist uh, from this album. Um. I think I think there's one other song that I might put on a Christmas playlist that we're coming up on. Well, I think I know what and it is, and I think you got the wrong playlist. Um, okay, here we go. Let's see, uh, here's another super annoying Christmas song. Oh God. Oh, that's Jingle Bell Rock. Sorry, same song. Rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> this is the same. This is the, the same, same song. song as Jingle Bell Rock, though. Jingle bell, Rockin jingle bell, jingle bell Christmas rock. tree <laughs> at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe hung where you can 
don't even know why we're playing this. It sounds exactly like you think it sounds. I'm not gonna play anymore. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the same. It's the, the same, same song. song. Yeah. Um. Oh. And and that song and it's and it's exactly the same as Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. We don't need we don't need we don't need these two songs to exist in the same universe, much less on the same album. One thousand percent, and or in the culture more than once. Um. Can we just skip the guitar solo real quick, which is the only redeemable part? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there we yeah. Go. Let's rock. Double meaning question. You know what I love about those guitar solos? Is that yeah. Jimmy Buffett won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. Give give Peter Mayer his stage. Like, bro, this song sucks. Just be quiet for the good part. So I can hear it. I gotta say one thing too. I think there's a lot of narcissism mm. in this album. Mm. And honestly, yeah. he deserves it. Yeah, yeah, he earned it's it. It's his birthday. <laughs> this is his. It's his birthday. His he birthday can talk can. over the guitar solo if he wants to. Yeah, and and he's made it to he's made it to seventy. Yeah, you know, no one no one gave Jimmy Buffett the way he was living in the nineteen seventies the the uh, the the under on that or he everyone was giving him the under on that one. You know he what? Passed it, so he's this is a celebration. That is such a good fucking point. If you yeah. knew Jimmy in the seventies, you wouldn't guess he looked like this on this album cover in twenty sixteen, would you? You wouldn't. Not only would you not think he was alive, but you would not anticipate him being jacked grandpa. Yeah. You, it, Although, is he was he a grandpa at this point? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. You yeah. you would jacked you wouldn't think that he could bench two fifty easily. Yeah, yeah. On reps. Yeah. And was doing paddleboard daily with two dogs. With two dogs, because we know this is exactly how he goes out paddleboard uh, every time. No problem. Um, yeah. Joe, uh, here's another one, and I think this is the one we were referring to earlier that could have been half as long. That should have been half the length. And it should have been the yeah, second half, right? He literally put the song twice. twice. Only he made it, like, his own in the second part. Yeah. I, I think the first part was... It's so, okay. The song is well, Rudolph maybe the we Red... we contrast the two. Oh, do you, God, do we have to play it twice? Okay, that's fine. No, we don't. We Can, don't. I just want to play the second half, honestly. Okay, let's just play. Yeah, if you, right. if you've heard if you've heard Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer before, the first two minutes of the song are it's exactly that. what you think they're going to the be. It's the same. Yeah, song. let's just play the just second, play second half. half yeah. Let's just play the second half. Yeah. See, it's so much better. Yeah, I should just know the song. It's honestly a great instrumental. Let's just not. Let's just not sing. Yeah. Jimmy Jimmy Buffett shouldn't sing this one. You know the words. There's no reason to sing them. Yeah. Like Columbus. I'm going to stop it there. Yeah. yeah. That was the best part. That was the best yeah. part. Um, I actually don't have a ton ton to say, surprisingly. No. Now, what can you say? Um, I, I, I have something to... I I guess I have something to say about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer just as a song in yeah, general. Yeah, let's, let's, let's fucking drag him. Yeah. Because, like, I... <laughs> Let's drag this yeah. podcast. I I have become kind of more hyper aware of the messaging behind children's songs since becoming a father. Mm. And as a result of listening to a lot of children's music, most of which has been new to me and bad, um, I kind of like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as a children's song. Okay. In, ter- in terms of the messaging of the song. 
which I didn't before. Okay. Because it is a song about, like, not only embracing what makes you different, but also uh, noticing how things that are perceived as being a deficiency are actually a strength. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing. As an educator, that's an important thing to remember. And as a father, it's an important thing to emphasize. So I like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer um, as a kid's song. And on that note, Cameron, the only time that I listened to this album was when I was in the playroom with Loretta, because I thought that's the only time I can I can listen to this album without feeling personally embarrassed. <laughs> like, you know, my iPhone, or I don't know if it's my iPhone or the, the earbuds that I've gotten, They've been doing this thing recently where sometimes, like, when I disconnect the, the when I'm listening to something on my earbuds and I, and I, like, put them back in their dock, my phone will spontaneously start playing out loud the thing that I was listening oh, to no. on my earbuds. So I've had to be hype, and it's always on iTunes. It's never, like, a podcast, but it'll be, like, whatever I was listening to last on Apple Music. Right. And so my Apple Music right now has been Jimmy Buffett or the Apple Music Children's Playlist or the music that I listen to normally. Uh-huh. And so I've had to be very careful. Like when I am done listening to a song, I'll put on a song that I'm not embarrassed right. yeah. to have play out loud. Sure. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's just some extra thought. And I, and I could not accept like being in the office in my workplace and having a Jimmy Buffett Christmas album play yeah. out loud. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett <laughs> doing Red Off, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not what you think. I, I do a Jimmy Buffett podcast. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that either. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just researching. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm putting in thoughtful preparation to a thing that I record that takes over two hours every time. Yeah. <laughs> it started ironically, but now I don't think it is. Yeah, now I actually like I think Jimmy I'm Buffett. A Jimmy Buffett fan. But I don't like his Christmas album, okay? It's neither of them. At least not this one. Yeah, no, they're both bad. Um, This was the uh, a close second for best song on the album. The Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? No, God, no. <laughs> oh, the one that's coming Next out. Next track, Santa Stole's Thanksgiving. Okay, Purely yeah. for the lyrics. Right. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I agree. Santa stole Thanksgiving for Christmas Drug Plymouth Rock to the North Pole with his sled Pilgrims never saw him coming The Wampanoags, they kept drumming That Thursday in November Got gobbled up by December Santa stole Thanksgiving for Christmas a happy holiday No more laid-back relaxation It's Black Friday degradation Save sets of soul Thanksgiving to the mall Hey, all right. Yeah. Nice song. You know, when I, I, I like this song a lot, too. I think that this is the only other song on the album that I might put yeah, on the Christmas yeah. playlist. I'll take that, too, yeah. The, um... When I saw the title, Santa Stole Thanksgiving, or when I heard the first line, Santa Stole Thanksgiving for Christmas, my initial thought was, this is the song that would come out 
if you put all of the novelty Christmas songs into like an AI songwriting <laughs> generator, <laughs> you would come out with a song like called Santa Soul Thanksgiving for Christmas. So I thought, oh, this is not going to be a good song. This is going to be just like a, a generic novelty. Yeah. But I like I like the messaging of the song. It's kind of we're kind of having a little bit of anti-capitalist Jimmy. Yeah, here. it's anti-consumerist Again. Jimmy. It's it's honestly and for that reason, it just feels like yeah. such classic Jimmy. It's like. There's yeah. like two Jimmy Buffett songs on this whole album, you know. Yeah, and it's the one that Mac McAnally wrote in this one, and that's yeah. it. it. It's as problematic as Thanksgiving is for its history. Right. It is. It is as we celebrate it now, and I think I think most people the way they celebrate Thanksgiving they don't really they don't really pay attention to the history. It's just what the what the holiday is now, which is you know it's a chance to to meet with your family have a nice dinner and celebrate thankfulness. Yeah, practice gratitude. Which is a really it's a yeah, it's a yeah. it's a, a holiday that celebrates togetherness and and gratitude. Yeah. But as such, it's not a, a a easily profitable marketable holiday, which is why people treat it in America as an the, afterthought. The pre the, the pregame yeah. to Christmas. Yeah. And and I think what Jimmy Buffett is pointing out in this song, especially, is the practice that kind of started in like the early 2010s, I want to say, where they would start Black Friday on Thanksgiving night. Yeah, that was aughts for sure, but yeah. And it's not, it's kind of dated now because Cyber Monday has overtaken right. Black Friday, especially post pandemic. Right. Um, but it, yeah, it was, it, it, it is a disgusting thing. Horrid. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's it's terrible. It's, it's so funny too because just like you mentioned, like the spirit of Thanksgiving is so awful, right? It is it's yeah. like a purely colonialist holiday in its spirit, yeah. but in its practice, it's the opposite of Christmas, it's right? Exactly where, like... what I was getting at. It's the foil of Christmas, <laughs> yeah. and we don't give it yeah, its proper respect. The spirit is good, but the execution is totally yeah. uh, is is totally just a, a capitalist wet yeah. dream. Um, Literally. Yeah, and, and, and also the Black Friday thing, just from a, a labor standpoint, yeah. you know, you're having people who, not only the families, that not only the consumers um, are are taking away their own family time and their own digestion time to go stand in line and do like a doorbuster, but you're also asking the employees of these works, that, of, the, of these places that used to get Thanksgiving off oh, don't to even come get in. Oh, don't even get started on that like, shit, yeah. 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 No, I, I, I have a very strong moral stance on spending any money on thanksgiving christmas yeah. and labor day at least at least those three absolutely gotta not spend absolutely money. gotta be anti-consumer uh, three days of the year yeah and and i and i am happy though that as a practice we've kind of taken a step back kind of by necessity out of necessity well uh, from black friday i, I think black friday is going to not be a thing well but we moved pretty from soon. a labor perspective we moved it from the retail storefront to the warehouse and i don't, oh, I don't yeah, know yeah. Which one's so better. so the unseen yeah. the unseen atrocity yeah, yeah you're yeah. right yeah it's the, but so, the consumerism has only expanded yeah anyway now that we've yeah. actually had a sincere conversation do you want to get our first repeat and one that is the least uh, you, surprising you, you know what I love oh, sorry. is how we, we, we often have the, the most serious discussions for the most the silliest songs on always, these albums. Always. Oh, yeah. Always. All right, so now let's 
Let's move on to the song So Nice that Jimmy recorded it twice. Yeah. And it's the one that, of course, you would guess which song would Jimmy Buffett do on both uh, albums. It is obviously (laughs) Malie (laughs) McAlimi. Frankly, it. I mean, I I would be disappointed if there was a Jimmy Buffett Christmas album that didn't have this song because yeah, I it just, just expect it's perfunctory. Yeah, it needed to be there. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Also, this song kind of encapsulates why I think Jimmy Buffett recorded this album because the last time Jimmy Buffett recorded, well, first of all, last time he recorded Medikaliki Maka, he did not have um, Jake Shimabukuro who's like apparently a, a virtuoso ukulele player. Mm. So he's like, well, now that I have this guy as my contact, I gotta, I gotta re-record this song with mm. him. The other thing is, last Christmas album we had, we did not have Nadira Shakur. And That's a good point. I think her, her voice is so... Not only does she have a great voice, but her voice, something about it, and I can't describe what it is, is perfect for Christmas music. Oh, well, it's the it's the same reason that Mariah Carey is the best Christmas artist yeah. of all time, or Janet Jackson, yeah. I don't know what it is, though. Just something about her voice. It's the, it's the combination of being Christmas. able to belt and also control and sustain so yeah. well. And it's just, it's like, a, it, and it's also, much like Christmas songs, a timeless voice. It's one that would work in has, any yeah, decade of recorded music. She has a quality to her voice that makes her sound like, like one of those singers yeah. from the 1940s. Yeah. And I think that's why Jimmy Buffett is like, well, I've got these two pieces here yeah. that I didn't have last time I recorded Melikaliki Maka. So I've got to bring them in and do it again. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and to yeah. we'll talk more about Nadir Shakur soon. But yeah. first, there's been a lot of choices on this album. Yeah. This might be the most egregious. Hmm. Some of the choices that happen in Winter Wonderland. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Are those snowflakes this far south? Ah. Real quick, sorry, this just occurred to me, yeah. so I have to say it right now. Mm-hmm. If I had given, given those first ten seconds, say, five years ago, mm-hmm. and just said, True or false, this is Flight of the Concords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100% yeah. true. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Ooh, are those snowflakes 
this far south? Ah. It's Christmas. Mon. I do like his reading of that mon. Are you listening? In the lane. Okay. You know the song. Yes. Two thoughts. Thought one. Would have been better as an instrumental. The steel mm-hmm. drums sound great. Yes. And they just match the vocal note for note. And I don't really understand that choice. I think it would have been better if we just take the vocal out of it entirely and hear the drums. Second comment. I might I might actually like to hear a whole album of Coral Reef for inter- instrumental Christmas songs. I mean, honestly, any of these... I would love to put that on in the background of a Christmas party. Any of these songs that are just repeats of old classics could be instrumentals. Yeah. And just be better. Yeah. Except maybe Rudolph, because what's even happening instrumentally with that song anyway? Um, Second thing, holy moly, you got a little sneak peek of the Mon there, but man, that Jamaican accent towards the end of this thing is bad. Ooh, it's chilly down here in Trini. Robot, what's the temperature, Mon? Must be like 80 degrees. Where am I gonna go? Something about his reading of that mon, that particular mon, really made me chuckle. Because it's exactly the amount he could have gotten away with it. It wasn't like he didn't go like it's it's Christmas mon. He went it's Christmas mon. Mon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is the exact amount of imitation of an accent you get to do if you're Jimmy Buffett in 2016. You know, one word, one syllable. You you just you just caused something to solidify in my brain with your first comment that made it clear to me why these Christmas albums don't work. Uh. So Christmas music at, at its best is music that you put on to ignore at a party. A hundred percent. So the best, the best type of Christmas music in my opinion is just instrumental piano versions of these songs. I love a nice classical piano Christmas playlist. But Jimmy Buffett's voice makes it impossible for you to ignore the song. But also, he's not doing enough to make it fun or interesting. He's just doing enough to make it impossible for you to ignore yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. It's just obnoxious enough that you have to listen. That's yeah. the most fucked up way to do Christmas music. Yeah. Yeah. He was recording Christmas music to try and get royalties from it being played in grocery stores. And everybody yeah. knows that grocery store music is designed, for whatever reason, to be heard clearly. Which is why half, Wrecking half Ball these... by Miley Cyrus and Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus will always be stuck in my head forever. But I think, I think the, 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 the fatal flaw is that he's doing it exactly the same as the original. And there's no way that his version is cheaper 
oh, cost was not a factor on this production. We know <laughs> yeah. that for sure. But there's no way that it's cheaper to license the Jimmy Buffett's rocking around the Christmas tree than the original. Well, I mean, do you even have to pay money for the originals anymore? I don't I, think so. has got to be public domain at this point. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise they wouldn't be used in every single Hallmark right. Christmas movie. Yeah, that's, that's free. If they music. cost anything. Yeah. If they cost anything, it's they wouldn't be used. Literally zero dollars, yeah. 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 Um, okay, can we move on? Yeah, let's okay. move on. Then this this one this is interesting for Shakur reasons. Like, yeah. I got, I got when I saw this on the track listing, I was like, no. Oh, did you no. almost throw up a little bit? Yeah. 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 But, but this this but was Shakur. You get a lot of that. So we'll we'll talk okay, about here. it. I we'll see. The, yeah. Can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go away. Baby, it's cold outside. The evening has been. been hoping that you drop so in. very nice. I'll hold your hands there just like ice. But my puppy will start to worry. My goodness, what's your She'll hurry? be racing and pacing the floor. Listen to the fireplace. So, roar. really, I better scurry. Bubba, Maybe just to have a drink more. Neighbors might think, Baby, it's bad out there. Say, what's in this drink? I wish I knew how to break this spell. I ought to say, No, no, no. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. Okay. One of these singers so, is not like the other. Right. Yeah. When you see the contrast like that, it really is egregious. Um. It's like when it's like when Bob Dylan would try to harmonize with Joan Baez. <laughs> it's not far off, honestly. Um, yeah. What gives you the ick about this, Joe? Well, so already in 2016, we were having discussions as a culture about this song. Yes. And so I was like, there's no way. Jimmy Buffett is, is savvy enough to know not to include a song like this on a Christmas album in 2016. Sure. He so did I was just like, do a bunch is... of Jamaican accent. In the track before, yeah, that, that's so. always been that's always been a blind spot for yeah. Jimmy Buffett, though. So, but he knows he knows not to do this. He did twist it in a way to kind of try and update it. I don't know why you would even try. Like it's it's better just to not record the song because I don't think the song is good enough to like try to save it, I, I, which I think is what he's trying I to think do. That's true for most of these songs, though. Is the only issue, yeah, yeah. But this one, but this one, unlike the other songs, is like uniquely problematic. Aside from being bad, it's problematic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he so he twisted it so that the 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 sexual predator in the song is not the man but the woman. The woman is the one that's pressuring the guy. And to be fair, it's more compelling that way. It is. Um, um, I w- especially because I would even swap the, the vocals, even 
on this oh, instead yeah. of swapping the lyrics and who's and what the lyrics are, just swap the vocals. Because I think that mm-hmm. uh, I, I just want a little bit more Shakur and a little bit less Jimmy. I'm surprised with with how with with what an MVP she is on this album. This is the only song where you really get her front and center. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly I think that's why this song is on here is yeah. for that specific reason. I mean, because this is a song where she, you could feature her in yeah. a prominent way. And and Jimmy can also still, While still having Jimmy being Buffett. loud and annoying. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the the thing that makes this song really icky to me though is like knowing that the age difference between mm-hmm. Shakur and Buffett and also knowing despite the fact that Shakur is the one who is the active character in the song that Jimmy Buffett is her boss. Yes, and that does make it a little bit icky, especially when they get to the line about how delicious each other's lips look. <laughs> that it's hard really to hear. Made me it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, I think yeah, just the image of them recording this simultaneously makes you want to cringe for sure, for all the reasons you just stated. Right? Like, did they have to be in the same recording studio for this? I, I, I. I would not. If I was Nadira Shakur, I would not have. I would not have wanted to be in the same room, and I would not have wanted to hear Buffett's half. It could only mess me up. That's honestly probably exactly what happened. Right. <laughs> She's like, "Look, I'll record this song. I don't want to hear." I'll your give voice. you all the lines. You you cut yeah. them however you need. Yeah. But I'm not going to be like party to this live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you get one take. I'll give you my best. Right. You get the one. Yeah. Hopefully that's how it went. And at this at this point, you know, she's t- she's twenty years in, or almost twenty years into her time as a coral reefer. She could make a demand like that. One would hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, it's a Christmas album. What are you gonna do? Here we go. Are you dreaming of a white Christmas, Joe? Does anybody like this song at all? Is it the perfect last track no. of a Jimmy Buffett album? It sure is. W- wasn't this the last track of the last one? Wait, was it? I'll be oh no! I'll be home for Christmas. Was the last one. Which, oh again, god, that was even worse. These, those two songs don't need to exist in the same universe. God, god, <laughs> I, god you're right. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the sun is shining. The grass is green. The orange and palm trees sway. There's never been such a day in Key West, FLA. But it's December the 24th, and I'm longing to be up north. Did I just say that? I'm dreaming of a wife. Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Okay, I think that's where the tree I think honestly hearing it once it kicked in it's probably a nose hair better than the original Than Bing Crosby? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um at least it's a little bit fun. It's it's uh, the the best things that he does when he does it is when he makes the more popular version that you know, uh, he turns it a little more jazzy. 
you know yeah which is what it, it's just it's a little bit it's got a little bit extra flavor on it i, I don't blame him for that um i just think it's a bad song yeah and uh it's about he does his best this is one of the few times on the album where he's saying he's doing the best he can with what he's yeah got. um so i don't know i <laughs> It, it, in the context of what Jimmy does, it's a great twelfth track. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, if we were to put this up against some of the other final yeah. tracks, it, it might be in the middle. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly egregious. I think there's way worse things that he does on this album than than this particular thing. Yeah, I, I, and I, I'd I think at this point I just expected this. it as a twelfth track. I was just like, oh, it's gonna suck, and I'm like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. I would I would rather listen to this than Echoes of Havana, nineteen twenty one. Yeah, yeah, he's well, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Joe, he only got he only yeah. took three minutes on that twelve track. I'm done talking about the music. I cannot believe we recorded yeah. this long for this for this episode. You know, I wanna I wanna I wanna congratulate us. You know, because I thought there's no way we can pull a good episode out talking about a jimmy buffett christmas album but yeah, right. you know we, we we had a nice 25 minute discussion about the kings like followed by a 10 minute discussion about crypto and nfts and then we did a track by track in which we had nothing positive to say about jimmy buffett so i think this is gonna be a, fan, gonna favorite. Be a fan favorite um <laughs> yeah joe this is an important question yeah because jimmy buffett mm. unlike pretty much anybody other than michael buble uh-huh. Has produced more than one Christmas album. I can't believe that, yeah. If we're making a Mount Rushmore of Christmas artists, mm. does Jimmy Buffett belong? Well, you gotta have four on there, right? You get four. And I think that Mariah Carey is number one with a bullet. Mariah Carey is maybe the Abraham Lincoln of yes. Christmas. No artists. question. Because a lot of the a lot of the guys who are on Mount Rushmore are history has not treated them kindly. I would say I almost Bing, all of them. Yeah. I think Bing Crosby is the Thomas Jefferson. Bing Crosby is absolutely the Thomas Jefferson. Because he's the one who has I think his legacy has been tarnished the 1, most. Thousand of percent. Any of the guys And let us be clear, if Mount Jimmy Rushmore. makes it, he is Theodore. Yeah, there's no question. He would. He be. has to be. He would be. So then, who's George Washington? I'm gonna. I'm going to the nominate sh- Otis Redding. Uh, you know what? I would. I would. I would say that uh, Nat King Cole has got to oh, be on there. Fuck, that's what I meant. Oh, that was racist of me. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole is the George Washington of Christmas yes. albums. Bing Crosby is the Thomas Jefferson. Easily. Mariah Carey is the Abraham Lincoln. Uh, absolutely. But you can't. Who's Roosevelt? You can't. You can't put Jimmy Buffett on the Mount Rushmore and not have Michael Buble yeah, on the Mount fuck Rushmore. Fuck Michael Buble. Michael, here's why Michael Buble is the Teddy Theodore Roosevelt. He's the perfect Theodore Roosevelt to put on the Mount Rushmore, because when Mount Rushmore was being constructed in the 1930s, from the perspective of the person who was doing the carving, he would say. All right, greatest presidents in history. Uh, George Washington, very first one, started the institution. Thomas Jefferson wrote the wrote the Declaration of Independence. 
uh, and uh, expanded the country so that it was twice its size. Abraham Lincoln kept the union together. Teddy Roosevelt. God, that guy was charming. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt. If you if you were if you were carving Mount Rushmore in 2022, Teddy Roosevelt's not making the cut. The, Franklin Roosevelt is. is yeah, he's not even it. the top Roosevelt. You're right. Damn. No, he's not even the Rough. top Roosevelt. Michael Bublé. I think if you're if you're doing a 2022 Mount Rushmore of Christmas musicians, Michael okay. Bublé is right. up there as you're Teddy right. Roosevelt, right. the guy who doesn't quite you're belong. Right. You're right. You're right. Well, sorry, Jimmy. You did too, and he didn't make the top four. Jimmy Buffett doesn't need that, though. He doesn't. Need, he doesn't need. He doesn't need this distinction. I kind, I He's think accomplished he enough. Don't you think he kind of wants? Maybe. It? <laughs> I'll bet he does another one. I'll bet this is not his last Christmas album. <laughs> yeah. I'll bet this time next year we're doing another one of these. <laughs> yeah. We can only hope. <laughs> we got. We got to do three. <laughs> got to get three. All right, Joe. Yeah. What do you want to plug? Well, first I gotta do the I gotta oh, do my ratings. eggnog rating. That's right. <laughs> Joe, there is not a number of margaritas that go with this because it's going to be the amount of tequila that you can feasibly get within the thirty minute span of this album. I think the last I think the last one was maybe like four eggnogs or yeah, something. Yeah, four four dirty <laughs> eggnogs. Yeah. <laughs> and this one's worse, it's, right? So I think this is worse somehow. I think you're right. This is this is a this album. <laughs> Is a lethal number of eggnogs. This is like a yeah. six eggnog the, album. The, this is, and you have to drink it in forty minutes. It's you. <laughs> yeah. You need like medical supervision to listen to this album. This album, you need to be. It's not. It's not like a matter of like you need to be so drunk that you can enjoy it. You need something that'll do that'll that'll cause you to be distracted yeah. enough while the album is playing. Yeah. And so the only way to do that is to to do like a, a somewhat fatal. Yeah drinking challenge yeah. yeah no this is this is a this is a, a drinking challenge that makes it on local news amount of eggnog yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um yeah i'm gonna give it uh like seven lumps of coal i'm gonna give it mm-hmm. um one nat king coal i'm gonna give it mm-hmm. um i'm gonna give it uh let's see i'm gonna give it um two cancelable two and a half cancelable offenses um and i'm gonna give it um uh one purple parrot in a pear tree okay very good i hate this album <laughs> this is this is by christmas album standards it's bad and that's saying a lot and do you want to know what's even more depressing joe what the next episode we do oh god okay so on the next episode the one we've been delaying forever the one that we we kind of intentionally did not put out an episode in November, <laughs> like because I we just kept it. I just did not want to talk about this album. I it took me, like it took me. I I listen. I finally listened to that album. It it took me like weeks to actually sit down and listen to that album. And I'm like, I it's, can't. It's homework for sure. I can't do it. I can't yeah, do homework. it. So coming back in January. Uh, we're going to be talking about don't don't stop the carnival. We've been trying to, yeah, <laughs> but we cannot. It's coming. Um, <laughs> but then, but then after that, we're going to talk about beach house. After that, it'll be fun. It'll be fun after that. That's going to be really. It's going to get fun after that one. Yeah, honestly, yeah. it's like the last not fun one. And we'll still have fun talking about it. Yeah, it's just the prep. The Even prep. The prep have... hurts. Get ready for some king's talk. Yeah, we'll, we'll do some king's. Talk. Uh, I don't know yeah. if we'll have time. If this was a two-hour episode, that was going to be like a <laughs> no, six-hour episode. No. 
<laughs> no, no, we're all we're only gonna have time to talk about the songs on okay, that album, great. probably. Yeah. Okay, yeah, two parter. <laughs> we can't. Why not? No, not God, we cannot. No. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. Uh. Instagram. You into the Instagram? All right. So I got I got two plugs this yeah. uh this uh this this time around. Number one, as always, if you want to follow our social media, you can follow us on uh, Instagram and. The other big ones, yeah. who I don't really want to talk about right no. now. Uh, the other, the uh, even Instagram, really. Yeah, they're all bad, but it's okay. It's a bad time to be online. Yeah. But if you are ever in the Sacramento area and you are looking for a place of worship, mm. may I recommend the Golden One Center, mm. the loudest arena mm. in the NBA, mm. the arena where you can sell out a 1 p.m. game against the 3 and 10 Detroit Pistons because sure of how goddamn good those Kings and are. How much we hate and, Marvin uh, Bagley, yes. And more and more times than not, if you go to a game uh, at the home of the Sacramento Kings, you're going to be walking out and looking into space and seeing beautiful, a beautiful radiant violet. For, you, you can literally see it from space, literally. It's literally shooting out into yeah. space. Watch out, aliens! To 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 announce to the heavens that we finally have a winning team in Sacramento. That's right. God is so mad about this purple beam breaking into heaven the all beam. the time. Beam team, baby! Hey, Joe, did I tell you this? I don't think I have. You're gonna you're gonna blow your mind. Yeah. You know what they serve at this Golden One Center now? What do they serve? Three distinct and constantly available. Freshly tapped Russian River beers, Pliny the Elder, Blind Pig, Happy Hops, STS are you, pills. Are you shitting me? Same price as every other beer. I so that's that's the that's the crazy thing. It costs. I'm sure it's more expensive now than when we were going. It's still it thirteen. Costs $13. No, it's still thirteen. It's still, even with all the inflation yeah, it's all, it's and, and the supply still, chain, yeah. it's still thirteen. Why would you pay thirteen dollars for a Miller Lite? When you can get a Pliny the Elder. When you can get a Pliny the Elder on draft, fresh as fuck, so good. Yeah, is is our is our man John Paul Jones still uh, serving no, him up there? They at can the John Paul Jones, but they got basically the female equivalent of John Paul Jones serving those Plinies. And let me tell you, she's yeah. loquacious, but she is not quick. <laughs> I think I know exactly who you're talking about. I remember a woman who fit that description. And she's on that Pliny duty exclusively every time. Nice. Yeah, right nice. next to the curry cart next to section 113. Probably probably specifically to slow down sales. I, honestly, it, it has to be because that line is fucking long every time. Yeah. No, I love it. It's I can't believe they have it. Yeah. Four Yeah, it's four actually. STS pill, blind pig, Pliny the elder, happy hops. Every game. God, what a party! Yeah, it's what a, such party a party at the Golden so One fun. Center in in Sacramento right yeah. now. You can you can feel it through the TV. Oh, it's so fucking loud, Joe. It feels so good. Oh my god, we got we got light the beam chance in LA. That was so wild. That was the yeah. Okay, Joe, we got to log off. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I want to plug this <laughs> season. I want to plug song. this season of White Lotus. I thought the first season was yeah. actually kind of bad and boring. Hot take. The second season is wonderful. Aubrey Plaza is undeniable, and she could strangle me to death. 
Uh, my name is Cameron. I've heard nothing but good things about that show. I will watch it on your recommendation. Yeah. You just tipped yeah. it. In my season two opinion. is yeah. not related to season one. You don't have to watch both. Season one's boring. Aubrey Plaza is the fucking best, and I love her so much. That's that's shocking. That's shocking that she's a good actress. I I've always I never got that. I've always I never got that impression. I've always always been a fan. Um, come uh, crush me, Aubrey Plaza. Um, uh, in the meantime, but while you're watching Aubrey Plaza, you can, uh, as always, join us next time for some congas, some vibes. And other little goodies. Mm, bye, Joe. Bye-bye. Light the beam. Light the beam, baby! Yeah.